This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves winning. What a mad old Europa Cup final. What a mad old season. What a mad old club. Uh, never have I felt less confident in the last 16 years of Chelsea turning up in a cup final and getting a result. Not many of us expected the second half demolition of the goons in the Europa Cup final but oh boy how delightful it was Uh, just when we might have been beginning to doubt them to see the gravy train of trophies disappear once and for all Chelsea does it again we should never doubt them we're Chelsea winning trophies is what we do this for the avoidance of doubt is our identity but even better than that at the end of this topsy-turvy season Chelsea humiliated London rivals Arsenal to put them firmly back in their place and then, thank the Lord, Spurs bottled it against the Scousers in the Champions League final. Added to third place in the Premier League behind Man City and Liverpool, all of this means that there is only one team in London and it's still indefatigably Chelsea. As Clayton Beerman said, Imagine not being Chelsea. What a mad club. But they're my club and I love them. The Chelsea fancast number 466, one team in London. There we go. Uh, as I said a bit uh, off air, I, I feel a bit demob happy tonight. Uh, it's the last uh, live Monday show of the season. Um, why I should be so happy about that, I do not know. But anyway, joining me as ever is the wonderous Mr. Jonathan Kidd. I said one of the reasons, Chidge, is that you're you're demob happy, of course, is that we won the trophy during mm. the week and it's still lingering. Because yes. it's lingering with me. I'm a glow. Yes. I've been a glow since we won it. Yes. And uh, uh, that is what that keeps us that keeps in. A, in fact, if I'd lost, I'd have been kicking cans and things and and being grumpy. But this is this is um, it's just maintained the uh, the wonderful 
the wonderful row of the list of trophies we've won since yeah. uh, this this um, since 2000. How many is it now? 16. 16. Oh. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. It is. It's a great feeling. It never gets old. It never gets boring. It never gets tired. Uh, a bit like Liam Toomey. He never gets old. He never gets bored. He never gets tired. We're never tired of having him on this Chelsea fan cast. Liam, what an absolute pleasure to have you on our last show of the season, mate. The boys are back town. Oh, very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I got, oh, Liam. That, uh, that should have been the title of the show, mate. That is an absolute corker. Um, Liam, of course, you were out there. How are you? Have you recovered? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've had the whole weekend. Um, it was it was pretty much 17 hours there, 17 hours mm. back, three flights each way. Uh, Baku itself was, was pretty nice, but it's just quite difficult to get to. And that obviously, I was, I, I'm, I'm well aware that I wasn't the only person to have that problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, even though you were with the press in first class, mate, I mean, you know, obviously, <laughs> everybody knows that all journalists travel first class, obviously. Actually, oh, fun- of course. Of course. I'm funny enough, I was listening to uh, to Simon Johnson last night, and uh, I think he said he was like literally last man standing because he was the last to come back from Baku, so... Fair play to Simon. Right, okay, let's uh, get on with this show as it's the last one of the season. Special show tonight, obviously. Now, on it, uh, we ask, what is it about Chelsea's winning mentality? Is winning trophies the club's football identity? And what of Eden Hazard without whom winning trophies for the last seven years may just have been a little bit more difficult? Uh, By his own admission, almost certainly off to Real Madrid, we praise one of Chelsea's greatest and say thank you and goodbye. And with Chelsea's four win over Arsenal in the final, did we finally see Sarri ball in full effect? Uh, in part two, we discussed the irony of Sarri possibly earning a reprieve at Chelsea by finally winning a trophy, only to walk out on the club with a tempting offer to join Juventus. Possibly. And if he does go, who will replace him? Already the potential list rumoured by the press goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. And in part three, we ask, does beating Arsenal 4-1 in a European final make up for a difficult season on and off the pitch for Chelsea supporters? And we look back at the highs and lows of this season as we give it a bit of a review. And in part four, we've got your emails to read out for the final time this season. And they're all crackers this week, of course. Uh, Now, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live on a Monday uh, at seven o'clock. But uh, this will be the last time we'll do the live show this season. So you'll have to wait until... I suspect August before we do this again. But anyway, when we're back, and uh, we will be back, uh, go to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. There are loads of you in there tonight, I am delighted to say. Uh, the usual suspects, of course. We've got uh, Bob Uzre, Andrew Self, Chrism, uh, or Chris M23 would probably be more right. Uh, Vinod Ayer, Glidelight Boga, Nobby Steelers, the lovely Happy Bird, ha- uh, Happy Birthday to Happy Bird for last week, who uh, uh, happened to be in my hometown on Saturday uh, and was on the real ale train, which is great fun, I know, because I've been on it. The lovely Bonnie Rig Blues, Jordan Murphy, Donal's in the house. How lovely to see Donal in here. Uh, Baba Chelsea, Claire McConnell's in, Moniaki, Rob Coombe. You're, there we go, you see. all The, the, the usual suspects have all come out tonight because they know it's the last show. Bless their hearts. Anyway, there's loads of you in there. Uh, they will be posting like bilio, um, you know, on Mixler and leaving some great posts which we like to interact with while we're doing uh, the show. 
so keep it up, people. I'm uh, I'm loving reading your stuff so far. Now, uh, the other thing you can do, of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast at any time you like, uh, whether we're on the show or not, and we will try and talk to you there. Now, uh, in a very short while, we're going to be talking about uh, the football. Uh, right. Um. doesn't i mean jonathan was saying this earlier on it it just doesn't get old it does not ever get old winning trophies uh and i mean the lovely thing about this one um as in so many in fact i think is that the amount of chaos uh that this club is perpetually under and still managing to win trophies but particularly true of this final when we you know we had no rudiger no loftus cheek who i'm sure would have definitely started kante on one leg uh, just like in the European Cup in 2012, we had half the side out injured. Um, we had Sarri kicking off in the training, making an embarrassment of himself, looking really angry. Louise and Higuain probably fighting. I mean, it's just usual, usual chaos. And what happens? We bloody well go and win. Um, I'm going to ask Liam this first, because I've been scratching my head, because it doesn't make any sense to me, really. How on earth does Chelsea keep doing this, Liam? Well, it's, it's my job to try and make sense of it, and I don't really have an answer yeah. either. Uh, yeah. it, it, it makes Chelsea, for me, um, probably the most interesting club in England and one of the most interesting clubs in Europe to, to cover just on a day-to-day basis because they're, they're run counter to pretty much everything we're told a top club needs to be in in the modern era to, to, to be consistently successful. There, there is no stability of coaching. You know, there's been a lot of um, turnover of the squad in the last few years and, you know, an absence of what a lot of people have described as traditional leaders. You've got uncertainty above the head coach over, you know, how committed the owner is. No replacement for, for the technical slash sporting director in the last two years. And yet, somehow, some way, um, Chelsea always find their way into these finals and they they invariably find ways to win them and it, it it's hard to describe I mean I've spoken a few times about the, the sort of mental flakiness of this of this particular group of Chelsea players that we've had for the last sort of two or three years but in spite of the in spite of their flaws I think there's also there also seems to be that muscle memory of knowing how to do it in big games um you know when when it really when a trophy is on the line, and I think obviously there were a couple of players who had a particular motivation in Baku, Eden Hazard wanting to sign off in the in the perfect way, and 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 we found out again just as we as in the penalty shootout against Eintracht Frankfurt that he does write his own scripts after all, <laughs> um, and yeah, there, there, there's just something about this team, but moreover, there's there's something about the. The culture that Chelsea have, and I wouldn't go so far as to say they've created it, it's just kind of happened, um, that means that they can continue winning these trophies. And whether they'll continue to win 
or challenge for the biggest trophies going forward. I think we all have probably our different doubts about and our different questions about, but there, there's every reason to think that they can continue to compete for, uh, you know, getting into finals and, and having a real chance to win them whenever they do. Yeah. it's it's. it's I mean, it's the interesting thing is when I was kind of looking at all of this, um, I mean, you know, our record since 2000, which obviously predates Roman, is astonishing. We've won more trophies this century than any other club. Although, of course, we've won 16 uh, in 16 years since Roman's been with us. And we've won 17 since 2000, which kind of puts it into a little bit of perspective. But Jonathan, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, we were talking about this on Friday, weren't we? And, and I've just got this theory, a bit like Liam was saying, that we've got so many players. I mean, you know, David Luiz, for example, he was with us when we won the Champions League in 2012. We've got a lot of players in that side. And we've been saying this all season when people have been criticising the players. Oh, you can't play Terry Ball and all this kind of stuff. And I'm saying, well, they, you know, these guys have won pretty much everything. I mean, Pedro, which we will talk about later, has won more than most bloody decent teams has, has won. But they seem to, when they get close to, we've seen it before. And to our absolute, you know, it just drives us up the wall. You know, they can be absolutely awful in the league or, 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 or whatever. And yet if they get a sniff of a trophy in one competition, they're like, you know, they're like dogs with a bone, aren't they? It's quite remarkable. But there is something about them that has the right mentality, isn't it? There's something about those players, the combination of those players, despite when they're, they're carrying a few, uh, not invalids, but people are not the same, not the same abilities. There's something about them that just comes together and coalesces. I mean, this has been, I think, the most chaotic season that I've ever experienced. Mm. Um, um, uh, I mean, there were some chaotic seasons when we weren't winning anything. But let's say, with my conscious knowledge of what's been going on, let's say since Abramovich, this has really been the most sniping, um, divisive, uh, appalling um a bunch bunch of amount of criticism given towards a manager and team that that I've ever put up with and uh, you'd have thought the way that everybody was being criticized that we'd it was Mourinho time again and we'd finished 10th and the club was falling apart and yet clearly it hasn't been and that was a, a remarkable remarkable second half uh, it was just it was a phenomenal performance and you you try and work out which of the players perhaps drives them forward and i think in the in the current setup i'm a i'm a big fan of louise who just mm. seems to to dig out a performance uh, in these things that is beyond his league capabilities where he'll slip up but he really gets focused on these occasions and um uh, i'm trying to think what other players come through i think pedro as well is a, is and dave absolutely definitely has pulaqueta absolutely has the winning mentality my goodness me well and that's what i'm talking about mate you know when they when when it's a trophy on the line when they they, yeah. they you know they turn up don't they and i think that's exactly what you're talking about it's that you know louise pedro aspi won a lot of trophies in their time and they they sniff it out they just know i mean it is quite remarkable i mean you know as i said five premier leagues this is just for the record since roman joined Five Premier Leagues, five FA Cups, three League Cups, two Europa Cups, one European Cup, 16 trophies, 16 years, 91 jealous clubs, I would say. And the uh, the other thing is, of course, we've won three European titles in the past eight seasons, and only Real Madrid have won more in this period, which is just 
I mean, we are phenomenal. I, uh, you know, I just love this club. We are bonkers. It's brilliant. But who would have thought, Chidge, that this would have happened with given the the complete disarray that supposedly the club was in? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, just, yeah. I mean, in, January, in January, for example, where people are throwing their season tickets away and they're uh, and they're all singing "Sarry Out" and uh, uh, you don't know what you're doing yeah. and. At the end of the season, we've won a European trophy and finished third, and we got to a, 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 the final of the League Cup as well. Yeah. I yeah. mean, when they, when they, well, <laughs> it just defies description, doesn't it? Defies it, description. Yeah, it really does. Um, let's turn to you know. You, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Louise and you mentioned uh, Dave and you mentioned Pedro, um, and I agree with all of that. But one person we haven't mentioned was was Ed and Hazard, and of course I know Liam. Uh, you know, wrote about this, uh, you know, last week. But I think if there's anybody who was really determined to grab that game by the scruff of the neck, and I and I think certainly did in the second half, it was uh, Eden Hazard. And, and we, he, he said he was going to bow out in a blaze of glory. Um, I hoped he would. He certainly did, Liam. And then, of course, he said, I think it's goodbye afterwards. Really looks like he's he's off, doesn't it? I mean, first of all, Liam, uh, you know, you're closer to it than we are. Is there any any news about the deal with Chelsea and, and Real Madrid to, for him to go? Well, Hazard's waiting. Um, he's on. I think he's on holiday in Spain. He he goes he, in Marbella. He goes there every year, as I understand it, when when the season's over, and uh, and he's just waiting for the two clubs to agree a fee. But as I understand it, that hasn't happened yet and Madrid haven't come all that close to matching what Chelsea are asking for. So until that happens, uh, there, there, there are unlikely to be too many newsworthy developments. It's just, it's just a waiting game and a negotiating game at this point. We know how, we know how dogged Marina Granovskaya can be in terms of getting the best deal for Chelsea. And we also know how um, Florentino Perez is not averse to conducting sort of lengthy sagas in in public so that's kind of what I touched on last week which was that Hazard wants the the perfect ending to to his Chelsea career and to to leave his Chelsea legacy at the absolute highest point but he also wants this move to Madrid and then there may come a point where he has to push um for one at the expense of the other having said that I wrote that piece before the Europa League final and I think having played the way he did in that final, I thought he was the difference. Even though he scored the third and the fourth goals, he set up the second for Pedro as well. Um, I know he wasn't directly involved in Giroud's header, but he was at the heart of pretty much the only things that Chelsea did well going forward in a, in a pretty poor first half. And then you could see he stepped it up in the second when they when they imposed themselves. And he's just, he's been so central to everything that Chelsea have done in the attacking half of the pitch all season and that he was the he was the main reason they they won that game in in, in Baku Arsenal just couldn't find an answer to his movement and his, and his his dribbling and his and ultimately his finishing for the third and fourth goals and it was clear especially with that fourth goal coming a couple of minutes after Iwobi's incredible volley um that he just wasn't to be denied and 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 he he, he wants to leave Chelsea on a high. I think he's guaranteed that now. Uh, but there's still a possibility that he could get a little bit frustrated with 
with how long this takes because it, it won't necessarily be resolved quickly. You know what? I don't think he's going to have to do a Courtois to get himself out. I think I think Marina knows that 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 you know that she needs to do the right thing actually, but she ain't going to be pushed about by Real Madrid. They'll come to a deal. I've got no doubt about that. But she's not going to sell for what they're trying on at the moment. But that's just my my view. I obviously don't know that for a fact. I mean, Jonathan, I I think it's it. I, I think he'll be gone. I really do. And I think it's perhaps time to look at the the legacy that he leaves behind. Uh, I mean, for, for the record, you know, 352 appearances, 23rd on the all-time Chelsea list, 110 goals, ninth on the all-time list, and he's won the Premier League twice, the FA Cup, the uh, Football League Cup, and the Europa League twice. It's not a bad record, is it, Jonathan? It's not. It's not. But uh, as I said on Friday, I think he's been let down, actually, yeah. by the board, not um, buying more world-class players, two of them, to, to fit around him because then he might not possibly have been tempted to go to Madrid. I know it's always been something he was keen to do, was to change his perspective and, and panorama. But, you know, in a winning side who are challenging for the Champions League, I'm not convinced he would have left. Um, it's it's to do with the, the level of football. But, yeah, I mean, a com- completely phenomenal. And the, the more, I, as we, we've discussed before, in terms of um, skill, he's uh, possibly the best player I've ever seen at Chelsea. Um, but very different from all those other great legends, different from Charlie Cook, who was good at beating players, but um, by feinting and moving left and right, using pace. But his sheer ability with uh, just getting past players and his his moving the ball out of the way and his, his coordination, eye movement, um, ability to look for people with passes, is there's, there's nobody to compare with him in my mind. And even you look at the Chelsea greats, Hullet is more loftus cheek. Hullet was was a wonderful player, but that was all about being six foot whatever and just great pace and screening the ball. This is a man who just gets past players in seconds and uh, and can change the game in an instant. And I remember was saying when I first came onto the uh, onto the podcast, you've got to relish this guy because you know he'll be gone unless we back him. And uh, and it's now happened, and all we're left with is you know, video of him. We're not going to see him on the pitch again. And it's uh, it's appalling, really, for me to think that we've we've let him go, really, by not backing him. And I think that's been due to a, 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 a not very good transfer policy. The, the, the three I would mention is Bakayako, um, uh, Batshuayi and uh, Maratta, none of whom was good enough to, to lace his boots to be around him. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm disappointed with the way it's happened. But yes, a completely brilliant performer. I think, you know, it's a good point you made. I, I, I do think, and I've, I've felt this for a long time, I mean, you know, I mean, in, in a sense, when we got him in 2012, he was like the Mbappé of his day, uh, but he was all potential, really. Uh, but I always felt that we would be lucky to have him for a long period of time because, I mean, this is modern football. Foreign players, you know, they're not attached to the clubs like... You know, people like, you know, Peter Osgood, Alan Hudson, all those kind of people were. So we were only going to have him for a short time. I think we've done well to keep him for seven years. Liam, what's your view on his legacy? And and what do you think of uh, JK's point that perhaps we have let him down, that we should have perhaps built a team around him and, 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 you know, uh, maybe done more? I think that's very true. You know, I think he's clearly outgrown Chelsea. He's he's had arguably, I mean, his best season in terms of stats, although we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he doesn't necessarily think it, it's been his best season in terms of performance. He's Hazard has always been someone who values um, team success over over individual 
achievements. And I think, you know, he's the the fact that he is wired slightly differently, the fact that he's quite a laid back, more team oriented guy, um, partially explains why Chelsea have managed to keep him for seven years. Because if he'd had the kind of, you know, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Luis Suarez sort of killer drive and instinct to dominate in every moment of every game, I think he would have been snapped up by Real Madrid three or four years ago. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, I just think he, he's, he's almost a more romantic presence at Chelsea because he, he's got all the talent. He didn't necessarily have the mentality to be that very top transcendent Ballon d'Or winning um, great player. But he's still clearly, I think, the most talented player, at least that I've ever seen at Chelsea. The only one I can think of... Um, who was as similar and, and electrifying sort of technical talent was Ian Robin for about Absolutely. three three months, yeah. uh, and then and then the injuries kind of took the took the steam out of his momentum at, at Stamford Bridge. But Hazard has done it for seven years, and he's done it in in big games. He's been the best attacking player on two Premier League title winning teams, mm. and he's been. I think you know one thing I think that people don't talk about with Hazard enough is that he's been incredibly durable physically absolutely incredibly durable he's played so many games in those seven years despite consistently being statistically the most fouled player in the premier league um, mm. and then you then you consider the fouls that weren't given <laughs> uh, he you know he's he's only really had that broken ankle that he got on belgium duty uh, a couple of years back uh, and and the hip problem that he had in his really bad season under Mourinho. Uh, other than that, he's he's always been there when called upon, and he's usually he's usually delivered. And he, I think if you look go back and look at his record against top six opponents, um, and he scored some big goals in finals as well. Of course, the penalty against United, the FA Cup final last season, the two goals against Arsenal and Baku. He, he's often shown up when Chelsea have really needed their superstar to show up, and. He leaves a massive hole on the pitch, and I'd, I'd say as journalists, we're going to miss him as well because he was a he. The best bit of my job was watching him play football close up, but he was also a pleasure to deal with. He's not not your average superstar footballer. There's there's not a huge ego to him. He's he's very down to earth, quite mischievous, playful character. Um, generally, quite honest and a good talker in in, in interviews. And I think you know that that's becoming rarer and rarer in football these days. So. I I hope he does I hope he does well at, at Real Madrid for him, um, but he he certainly leaves a, a massive massive legacy at Chelsea and a, and a huge a huge void. Yeah, he he certainly will. And I mean, Jonathan, and I were talking about this before. I mean, you've already kind of you know gone down that route anyway, Jonathan, about where where he sits in the all time. I mean, I I would say he's the most skillful player I've seen uh, play in my time of supporting Chelsea. Um, I wouldn't say he's the greatest player I've seen play at Chelsea. I think Lamps is head and shoulders above anybody else because yeah. it's not it's not just about skill, but he's definitely the most skillful player. And 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 sadly, you know that that's you're right, Liam. We're going to miss we are going to miss that because players like Hazard are in a way, you know, I wouldn't say that's why you go to football because you know you shouldn't really expect to see you know players of that ability every time you go to football. We certainly haven't at Chelsea, but. When you do, you know you're seeing something special and, and he will get you off the edge of your seat like very few people do. And 
Uh, I mean, I, I was too young, Jonathan, to see George Best play, and I'm not trying to say he was as good as George Best, but I would imagine it was the it's a similar kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's that ability to uh, almost to make fools of defenders mm. um, and just control the ball in an immensely small space and beat somebody that um, Best had as well. Actually, mm. yeah, there's a it's the similarity of the of the the great ball player uh, with great skill. Um, yeah, I think Robin is 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 the other example. When he played for uh, Bayern, he he had moments when he was. Um, it's very similar. It's just the ability to to cruise past players and then deliver a stunning pass or shot. You know, which which uh, illuminates every every game and every supporter watching want, wants them to play like that every every time. Of course, they can't because and frequently in in British football, in English football, the uh, the referees won't um, won't allow them to play that way because they seem to be. Um, it's almost as if they're. I always feel that referees look at players like that with an element of, um, well, we bought to put you in your place because you're showing off. And uh, it allows cloggers to get away with putting them on the ground, which is something that Best suffered from as well, was that somebody would try and take him out. At least he had the wonderful ability to to, to actually humiliate them by, by just ghosting past them, very similarly to Hazard. Um, but uh, I, I don't think he was protected as much as he, sh- as he should have been. It'd be very interesting to see what happens in, um, in the Spanish league as to whether he scores more goals or gets more penalties just because the referees may favour him more. They may understand that and allow him to, uh, allow him to express himself better. Um, but, uh, yeah, completely phenomenal ability. Yeah. Definitely so. Um, right, let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, you know, just the, the, the highlights for me, I mean, obviously other than Hazard's performance, which I thought was brilliant, uh, but I thought Giroud was fantastic. I think he proved again that he can do it up front. What a wonderful first goal. No way Higuain scores that. I oh, thought Pe- he selected him instead yeah. of Higuain. Well, exactly. But uh, Pedro, Pedro, I thought, again, was brilliant. He kind of reminds us that he's one of the best finishers in, in the side. I thought Christensen's defensive maturity was was wonderful. Louise's leadership allied to that. And I thought that Kante, although I thought he had you know quite a quiet first half, I just think he's superhuman. I mean, he was clearly playing on one leg, and yet you know his energy and his, his desire to fight for the cause was just second to none. But the real question, chaps, and do feel free to pick me up on any of the things I've just said about the players individually, but um, Jonathan and I were chewing this over on Friday. Um, I mean, it was such a stunning second-half turnaround. Um, and I thought the pace and the passing and, and the finishing was ruthless. Is this what Sarri Ball is supposed to be? Is this what we're talking about, Liam? Well, I mean, in terms of the general principles, in terms of you know, short, high-tempo passing from back to front using the other team's um, sort of attempt, attempts to press against them and then attacking their attacking their defensive line and creating chances that way. Yes, it, it, you know, there were a lot of the general principles of Sarri's system on display in the way that they were, the way that Chelsea executed in the second half. And I think we've seen this season flashes of it, it's never been any more than flashes, and I, it's, I, I can't really remember any complete ninety-minute performances where they've, where they've played to those principles and dominated with those principles. But they, they definitely did do, they, they definitely did show very good signs in that second half that that, that there could be something. They, 
with a full pre-season, which it doesn't look like Sarri's going to get now, um, that you know next season they could do it more consistently and, and just do it better. But it was also a lot down to to Hazard having that individual talent in the final third. And it was also, you know, it sounds reductive, but Arsenal really were pants. They um, were, weren't they? They, they crumbled, they mate. They absolutely yeah. crumbled. They they, crumbled. From, yeah. the, from the moment the first goal went in, it yeah. actually reminded me of um, a bad Chelsea performance in the way that Arsenal played that second half because they, they were okay until one thing went against them in the second half. And then as soon as that happened, they had a mad... T- sort of 20 minutes in which they let the game completely go away from them. It was Bournemouth to me. It was like watching the the Bournemouth display when the first goal went in and everything fell apart after that. I'm going to just say, Liam, the the other thing that he's supposed to have done, which he tried to do in certain games in the season, was the press. Because part of the, as well as doing the triangles, he's just supposed to be pressing more, which is something that um, uh, Liverpool and, uh, and City do. But he seems to have stopped as the season's gone on, he seemed to do that less, the press, because the press seemed to get him into terrible trouble because we'd press too far up the pitch, allowing teams to just kick the ball over the top and run after it, which is the same problem that, that Vyash Boas had. But that he seemed, therefore, he seemed to evolve as the season went on. He would play the little triangles, but he wouldn't press as much. Um, and it's like he was, it was a compromise that he felt was, was required with this team. And I thought they started playing a lot better with that because they weren't having to, to A, exhaust themselves, but B, push themselves out of position. So they're almost being a bit canny by not actually pushing up as far. But they're still playing those little triangles. So I thought we saw a kind of 60% Sarri ball uh, as the season went on. It's almost as if he was saying, well, I can't get them to play this way because they're, they're, they're not the type of players who can do it, but... This is a plan B, if you like. And I thought that was particularly in evidence in the Leicester game. And that's why I was very confident about this, because I thought we played very well against a, a Leicester side who, uh, under Rodgers, I thought were going to take us to the cleaners. And we, we didn't. We dominated that game. And it seemed to be the same style. And so uh, I, feel that, I felt that Sarri was evolving the side. And uh, it looks to me as if we're not going to see the, the evolution. We're not going to see this come to its uh, fore, um, which which ultimately I think will be a real shame because he does do some stuff that clearly works, but it's trying to get the players to actually understand it or be capable of playing it. Well, yeah, and I, sorry, sorry Liam. Go, no, say, no, no. After you, Liam. Go on. Yeah, just to say, Chidge. Uh, no, I think that was those were all really, really good points, JK. And I, I, I think Sarri did tweak what he wanted to do and part of that was a reaction to some of his defenders not being entirely comfortable with what was being asked of them so yeah you, you know dropping the defensive line a little bit certainly certainly helps with that it puts the Chelsea defenders into slightly more familiar positions that they've had on the previous coaches but I think also part of it going back to your point on the pressing was because um, of Hazard you know I, I, yeah. I this is this is something that caused a bit of uh, controversy when I tweeted about it, but ha- Hazard hasn't really played Sarri's system uh, this season. Not not, not particularly. <laughs> he's, he's done what he wants to do. And that's, you know, Sarri has been, it, it, it's frustrated him at times. I've seen him get really frustrated with Hazard only selectively pressing. 
and, mm. and only selectively tracking back because he's doing kind of what Lionel Messi does for Barcelona, which is what they call actively resting. You know, he's, cons- <laughs> he's conserving energy when yeah. Chelsea don't have the ball so that when they do, he can shoulder the massive burden that he has yeah. to shoulder. So uh, I think you know that's frustrated Sarri at times, but equally he also understands that Hazard being Hazard is what elevates Chelsea to the level that they need to be at. And so I think that the maybe slightly less um, slightly less than full Sarri pressing and the slightly deeper defensive line have been considerations and accommodations that Sarri has made, not just for his defenders, but also for, for his best yeah. player. I think one of the things that uh, also contributed to this, um, clearly Arsenal had... Uh, one player who was permanently actively resting, which considerably helped matters, and that is Ozil. I mean, if, if Ozil played for Chelsea, I would want to lynch him. So lazy and ineffective is he. But I think the other thing that really helped was, of course, that Ramsey was injured, which meant that they couldn't do what they did against us at the Emirates, where they had Ramsey parked on, uh, Jorginho. on Jorginho. And I think, as you were saying, weren't you, on Friday, actually, Jonathan, and I would agree with this. I think Jorginho's uh, really improved in the last couple of months or two. He's beefed up and he's getting he's getting you know stuck in and not falling over all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that really helped too. But it was remarkable how they crumbled. And I really have you right actually because you know when you said it was like watching us when we played Bournemouth and got absolutely humped every time we went forward, we looked like we were going to score. You yeah. know, and that was the sign. Right, just to finish this uh, part up before we we're going to talk a little bit more about Sarri actually in part two and and what this perhaps means for him and what's happening next. But, uh, you know, I was saying to you a minute ago that uh, Pedro's won uh, loads and loads of trophies. He's won, I th- let me just count this up, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 20. Pedro has won on his own, well, not on his own, obviously, he's won 25 trophies, right? He's won the World Cup, the European Championship, three Champions Leagues, one... Uh, Europa League, three uh, uh, UEFA Super Cups, two World uh, Club World Cups, uh, five La Ligas, one Premier League, one FA Cup, three Copa del Rey, four Spanish Super Cups. I mean, he's won more than Man United have, you know, uh, in, you know, in, well, certainly this century. That is remarkable. And apparently he's the fifth player to score in a European Cup stroke Champions League and UEFA Cup Europa uh, league final after Alan Simonson, great player, played for Charlton. Uh, Hernan Crespo, <laughs> Dimitri. Al- Do you remember that? He, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Played for Charlton. Yeah, Bloody he hell. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he played for Bayern Munich against Leeds in the seventy-five European Cup final. There you go, better knowledge for you. Uh, Dimitri Alenichev, who I've never heard of, and Steven Gerrard, who I've never heard of. Uh, so there you go. Um, what an amazing, phenomenal record that is, uh, Jonathan. Do you want to comment on that? That's nuts, isn't it? Well, I remember them when he came to the club, everybody saying, oh, it's a step down. It's wonderful, isn't it, how Chelsea were always seen as a kind of sort yeah. of, oh, well, you know, he's, he was at Barcelona, but his best best years are, are past him now. And, and he's just constantly winning trophies, just yeah. quite phenomenal. I mean, he does have the tendency in his latter years of, of being sort of like a, a Duracell bunny or you've, you've wound his key up too much on the clockwork on his back and he's gone, you know, he's, he's rushed around too quickly it's like one of those 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 um uh, symbol monkeys monkeys with symbols that you sort of madly crash crashes its symbols together but then he has moments where where he just 
he provides, he scores. I felt this year he wasn't as, as accurate with some of his long-range shooting, which he can be absolutely immaculate with. But um, we, we had this bizarre thing with him, didn't we, that if William started, he'd be rubbish and Pedro come on and be great. And if Pedro started, he'd be rubbish and then William had come on and be great. So it was almost as if they were kind of swapping each other's abilities. But, uh, um, I mean, clearly a top player, top, top player. Yeah, I mean. uh, I, I, just to, to put a line under that, JK, as uh, the wonderful, the lovely Gary Wilson, who's uh, in Mixler tonight, says, he says, but has he won the ZDS? Uh, <laughs> clearly not, Gary. So is he all that in the uh, in the voice of that Ginger Burke, uh, Adrian Durham? Anyway, right, we're going to have a quick break. But in part two, we're going to discuss the irony of Sarri possibly earning a reprieve at Chelsea by finally winning a trophy, only to walk out on the club, possibly, uh, with a tempting offer to join Juventus. And uh, if he does go, who's going to replace him? And as I said, the uh, the, the rumours about who it might be, as, as you can expect, in the, uh, the information vacuum that is Chelsea, has just gone absolutely ballistic. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute to talk all about that. Only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the uh, Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge. Of course, you're listening to the last uh, kind of Monday night version of the show this season, which is a little bit sad in a way, but uh, a lovely way to finish the season, given that we've just won another trophy that we've been uh, uh, going potty about in the first part. Uh, of course, check out the ChelseaFancast.com. Uh, you, may, you may get one or two blogs over the summer. On the other hand, you may not. It depends if uh, we want to be on the beach or not. Uh, now, um... One of the things that uh, I like, I, see, I like a good story, basically. At the end of the day, you know, I spent most of my professional career, uh, you know, kind of making TV, which is all about narratives and stories and narrative arcs and all of that. And I, I love a good story. So uh, I thought, A, it was hilariously wonderful in this season where, you know, he's had a lot of, lot of you know, he's had a hard time. I've kicked, you know, stuck the boot in when I felt it was necessary. But uh, I think it was hilariously brilliant that... Uh, you know, he's kind of stuck two fingers up to everybody and, and won a trophy. I'm talking about Sarri, if you uh, wondered what I'm talking about. Um, I, I really absolutely loved the fact, as a, as a man who likes a cigar myself, uh, I, w- I was delighted to see him unwrap a very big victory stogie uh, as the, uh, you know, just before the presentations were being made. I thought, there's a man after my own heart. Uh, I mean, who, who could begrudge him a, a victory cigar? I mean, you know, Liam... Uh, my first thought, really, and of course, yes, his medal. I should mention the medal. When he got his medal, he, he looked at it lovingly, and I just thought, that's a really lovely human moment. I mean, look, getting aside from all that, Liam, uh, I'm going to give you first dibs on this. Does he deserve some credit, and uh, should we be giving him praise where praise is due? Yeah, I think he does. I think um, I think he deserves credit, first and foremost, for basically persisting during one of the weirdest seasons that we any of us can ever remember at Chelsea. Yeah. You know, I think there are very few coaches that could have survived the level of toxicity directed against them 
on a week-to-week basis. And it got, I mean, I know it eased off a little bit towards the end of the season in part because Sarri started playing Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek on a regular basis and that sort of placated the crowd a little bit. But it, for about two or three months, it was really, really unpleasant. And um, and I think there was, there was, you know, there was obviously criticism of Sarri that was fair. Uh, and there was there was criticism. I think that was a little bit unfair that didn't take into account the the circumstances that he's had to deal with ever since last summer and some of the limitations of this squad. Which even if Sarri leaves, the next coach will have to deal with. So, but I think the the problem was the elevation of all that criticism to such a sort of toxic fever pitch that that just became very very. Um, very, very unreasonable to expect anyone to deal with, and I think he handled it all pretty well. He handled it all. He handled the, all the speculation about Hazard's future, which has, you know, loomed over this entire season, um, reasonably well. He's he's been largely honest with 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 us in his dealings with the media. Sometimes too honest for his own good, um, and and he's maybe caused himself a few problems that he he shouldn't. He shouldn't have if he if he'd just known how to lie a little bit every now and then. Uh, but he he deserves credit for making sort of small adjustments to his overall vision down the stretch of the season. Uh, I I really feared for him that he would go he would do the sort of full Wenger Wenger esque falling on his sword after the six nil at Manchester City, where I felt his his tactical game plan was absolutely suicidal. Um, he he didn't do that again. He he did show a dose of uh, of pragmatism, which I think enabled him to see out the end of the season. And the end of the season, what looks like what could be the end of this this Sarri story at Chelsea, is is absolutely incredible. It's 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 fittingly weird in keeping with with such a weird campaign. If you'd thought even three months ago that if you'd suggested even three months ago that Sarri could leave Chelsea. Um, a trophy winner, um, a, a Champions League, you know, top four finish, and for a better job, on on his own terms, you know, you, it, it seemed utterly fanciful. But that's the way this looks like this is going to end now, and it, it'll be inter- It'll be fascinating to see how he gets on at Juventus. Um, I think, in many ways, that club presents him with every bit as much of a culture clash as Chelsea has. Uh, but you know it, it, he he deserves credit, and I think his credit will come in the form of the fact that he's won a trophy, and he's qualified for the top four in spite of all the things that were that were thrown in his way this season. He's I mean, clearly truly valued in Italy. It, it goes to show, in a sense, how disrespectful we've been towards him, because they think he's a wonderful manager. The very fact that he's he will he might be off to this the, one of the to the greatest club in Italy speaks volumes about his his potential as a coach which we just haven't been able to to unleash at all and uh, and I'm I'm I mean I've, as you say Liam I, I think him Chiellini and Bonucci are going to be really hard work for him to get to try and play his way because they're all hugely defensive they're, and that, that's the that's the energy there but they play with an energy I have to say that I think we've not really managed to have all season they really do push that ball about unbelievably quickly, which is what he wanted the Chelsea team to try and do and couldn't get them to do it. But um, uh, the fact that there's been all this, this in, these, these banners from Napoli saying, please come back, must, must speak volumes about his 
his abilities that we haven't been able to see in this country or whether we would ever have been able to see. I personally think if he'd been given another season, we'd have seen much more of the way that he really wanted the football to be played. And I think, bizarrely, we would play better without Hazard because, um, as you say, he's, he's not, he doesn't fit his system. And I think he would make it work with his system. And I think that's what we're missing. But I think I think I mean I I I take what you're saying and and you know this is ostensibly what I had that uh, row with uh, um, Mark about the other day. You know, I, look, I I I know he's deified and revered in Italy, but of course Italy is a very different uh, game essentially than it is in the Premier League. And I think the the beef that I had with him really was that you know pragmatism. Uh, is the most important thing when you're, you know, managing a team in the Premier League. You know, managers of all the other teams, you know, I think try and work you out a lot more. Whereas in Italy, they just focus really on how they play. And you know, he's he's way more suited to Italy, and I can understand why he's revered there. And then, of course, you know, you've got the the whole cultural issue, which really didn't help. Now, yeah, um, you know, I, I don't think. Um, you know, like I said, I think that we have an issue as Chelsea supporters on the whole. Uh, where we really, really aren't that bothered about what kind of football we play, or we're very wedded to the football that we have been playing, that, have, that has of course been so successful in bringing us trophies. So, and I think this, this I've written about it so much this season. This whole idea of uh, you know wanting to play like Barcelona or Arsenal just is not what really we want, you know, or a lot of supporters want. And I thought that that was always going to be an issue. But for what it's worth, I'm I'm really happy for him. I think. You know, you can't ask much more of of him than than what he's done, and and I kind of, you know, like Liam, I, I've always liked his his honesty, which I, I I think is kind of borderline Asperger's in a sense, but I do love him for it, and I kind of love the fact that he'll just turn around now and 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 stick two fingers up and bugger off. I think that's brilliant. But Liam, you know, we're all sitting here assuming he's going, and I, I I'm not so sure if this is all done and dusted. Liam again may know more than me, of course, but if I just kind of run over what I you know, I'm, I, I've been kind of reading in the press uh, that he's asked to be released from his contract because he does want to go uh, to Juventus, that he's kind of said that he wanted the backing of the board in terms of his vision and public support to kind of mitigate the, the fan unrest stroke toxicity, uh, that he's concerned about the transfer ban and he might not want to hang around if that gets... Uh, you know, imposed. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff kicking around here. Do you, do, do you know, I mean, are, we, are any of us, I mean, because none of us are sitting in the boardroom, so none of us are privy to this, but have you had much of a, a sense of what's really going on? Well, we know that Sarri told Marina Granovskaya on Friday that he wants to join Juventus. Um, that, that much I know. As for what Matt Hughes reported in the Times today about Sarri saying he'd happily see out his contract if he was given more backing publicly by the board and and uh, and you know the stuff about the transfer ban. I, I certainly don't, don't doubt Matt's re- reporting. I, I haven't heard that, but you know he, he's he's very well connected at Chelsea as well. Um, I, all I would say is that even if Sarri has said that, you know, there's a lot that there's a lot of things that people say in these situations that they don't necessarily mean, and that he he might well be saying, you know, I'd gladly stay if. And then listing a, a set of conditions that he knows that Chelsea could never offer him. Well, quite um, because because he knows that he wants to go to Juventus anyway, and he's trying to engineer that end game. So there's the, the, there's all sorts of 
that there's all sorts of stuff that could be going on here and a lot of different layers to it. But we know that he wants to go to Juventus. Um, I think he will end up at Juventus, despite all the bizarre Pep Guardiola noise that's been going on for the last two, three weeks, which no one, no one with any credibility anywhere within a hundred mile radius of Manchester has been able to stand up at all. Um, it looks like Sarri is Juventus's choice. And the discussion now with Chelsea, who are prepared to let him go, um, is simply how how it will work in terms of compensation. Because Chelsea don't simply want to release Sarri, as I understand it. They don't, and nor do they want to pay him to go away because they've had plenty of experience doing that with coaches in the Abramovich era. They don't want to spend more money to solve another club's coaching problem. Um, so... Whether Juventus directly pay compensation to Chelsea to buy Sarri out of his contract, or whether that's tied into something else, like a you know one of the loan payments for Higuain, I, I don't know. I read about but that. The Higuain payment was, was was involved in that. Yeah, it could be. It could be. But I mean, it, you know, the, these discussions can be quite complex. But I I but I I'd be surprised if they don't come to some sort of agreement um, fairly soon. Do you know when it'll be announced, mate? Any idea? No, no, but I mean... Days, weeks? Well, I mean, uh, it's hard to say with certainty, but I would probably err towards days rather than weeks. me too. Um, Given that he's already in Italy and and discussions between the two clubs are fairly advanced. Uh, I know Andrea Agnelli was pictured at Chelsea Team Hotel in in Baku, and that was all over the Italian media on the the day of the Europa League final. But that, that seemed like a slightly strange one at the time as well because he was meeting with Bruce Buck who wouldn't necessarily be the person to meet with if you were looking to see, lo- looking to release Chelsea's head coach from his contract. You'd be trying to meet with Marina Granovskaya, really. Um, so it's it, it's all that there's, there's a little bit of murkiness around it, but I suspect that it will be done sooner rather than later. And then Chelsea might... will be trying to find a replacement. Yeah, I think it might be done this week because the international transfer window opens on Friday. So I would imagine Juventus would want him in as soon as they can if they're thinking about buying players, which, of course, they will be able to do. I mean, Jonathan, um, here's the question. Number one, do you think he had actually earned a reprieve by winning the trophy? Uh, And do you think... And would you blame him for going? Uh, I wouldn't blame him for going at all because I think, as you said, it's been completely toxic. And I think it's been toxic for um, the excesses that some of the fans uh, managed to commit as the season went on by not giving him a chance. And I know it was uh, the football was difficult for so many people to deal with at the time. Um, uh, but it, for me, it was pretty obvious that they just didn't have a striker. And with a striker, we wouldn't have had that problem because there would have been an end product. But I think the personal attacks on him were the most vile. The And the to actually um, accuse him of having no experience. It's so easy to say about somebody. They say, well, he's a bank manager. Um, he, he started playing fo- being involved in football when he was 40, as if somehow that diminishes his abilities because he's, you know, done fantastically well with his his theories. And, uh, you know, his influence in Europe has been such that somebody been associated with the manager's job is the Ajax manager, who then said, if you want to know to his players to who you, you should pay attention to, is pay attention to Sarri. He's the person I based my my theories on. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think his... He, he hasn't helped himself by being a, a clearly a chain smoker um, and uh, and constantly sucking cigarettes 
uh, and looking as if he's just, you know, spent the night in a ditch, um, despite wearing rather attractive Nike outfits, doesn't seem to have. Uh, um, <laughs> they they're not very becoming of a sixty-year-old man, though. They're not, but fair. it's also it's the it's the the fact that some of them are three-button granddad tops. You know, yeah, you could have said yeah. no, don't choose that. So I I don't think the way he's looked. I mean, we talked about this on Friday, didn't I? So I think I think. Um, we do, we Chelsea managers. We do like Chelsea managers to look quite attractive um, over the years. You know, Mourinho's looked pretty attractive, and uh, Conte, of course, was the was the pinup boy, um, uh, and the 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 Spanish waiter was somebody we didn't like, and he was very unattractive. So perhaps there's a pattern here. Um, so he hasn't helped himself. His his supposed. Um, I know he's, he's the fact that he didn't speak English wonderfully well and uh, didn't appear to have a great sense of humour, as you say, his honesty. I don't think that's helped. That's that hasn't helped him much either. Um, uh, I mean, all in all, he, he's not been his own his best PR representative, has he? That, it, it's it's. Um, well, that's that's it, the issue that I was talking about when I when I bit Mark's head off on Friday because, you know, I I you know Liam can verify this as well. You know. Chelsea are a club that are very sensitive to PR, yeah. particularly negative PR, and you know, and, and that's what I mean. Where I think that they that they don't think he he's a fit culturally with the club, you know, he's too honest. He he, he they can't control him, you know. And I think that whole whatever happened in uh, in Boston was quite important with this. The relationship with the supporters, it might seem like nonsense, but it, in the bigger scheme of things, it is quite important. I mean, would you, you wonder? Would you, if- did, sorry, on, sorry, did he? Ins- do you think he insulted Bruce Buck in 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 Boston? Do you think that's a possibility? No, no. I mean, he, or he didn't. Even by not turning well, up for all of well, that. Well, either either he had a stomach bug, or he dissed them by not turning up, or he was told not to. We don't know yeah. the truth. Liam might know a little bit more than us. But do you think that's an issue? The cultural fit, stroke, uh, PR angle on this, uh, Liam, or is it simply down to getting humped by City six nil? Oh, I think there has been a cultural issue with with, with Sarri, but. You know, I think the the biggest cultural issue, the most significant in in the fact in why it would have been difficult for him to carry on beyond this season in any case, has just been the cultural issue with the fans, with the match going fans. Um, I think all the points you raised about how how he's conducted himself, how he's presented himself, um, are very well raised. And then when you add to that, as J.K. says, you know, the fact that he was trying to re-educate a flawed squad for what he was trying to do a squad that would have struggled in any in any style of football because of the lack of someone to reliably put the ball in the net um it just becomes a bit too much and in some ways um Juventus sort of unexpected approach for Sarri kind of simplifi- simplifies things for Chelsea because yeah. um they would have had a decision this summer that regardless of what they what they would have chosen to do would probably have annoyed a large section of their fan base because if they decided to sack Sarri, you would have had a lot of the people that are still loyal to him um, among the Chelsea fan base that would have would have kicked up a stink. And if they'd kept him going into next season, particularly without Hazard, you know, maybe with a much younger looking team and 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 they had a slow start, he would have been given absolutely no leeway by the by the fans in the stadium, and it would have could have gotten toxic by end of August, start of September, yeah. and then the border in a really difficult situation. So I think this has simplified things, but only in the sense of Sarri. The the complicated decision still remains, which is who do Chelsea pick to replace oh. him and what kind of club do they want to be going well, forward? Yeah, I'll we'll just get... make a quick point. Yeah, here. go on, JK, go on. I was intrigued how when he was appointed, there was a huge amount of 
negative reaction from some, um, I don't know, dyed-in-the-wool Chelsea fans who said they had knowledge of him being fraudulent, uh, a terrible manager, and a tramp. So all those words were well, used... None, none bef- of that was true, though. No, but, but, oh, I know, but before the season started, there was a concerted effort by some people to, wow. to, dis- to diss him from the very beginning... And I wonder how that whether this got whether social media no. has actually been inadvertently has has pushed no. this. I, 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 I'm not just sure about that. I mean, I, I don't deny that there are some people saying that, but not enough and not voluminous enough to affect the club. I think the club are more affected by, you know, what happens yeah, in the yeah, stadium. True, true, they, true. they don't give a shit about social media. Anybody with half a brain doesn't give a shit about social well, media. Well, no, it just is because it, it, it was a snowball that started off very yeah. little and then well. just grew and grew. And you just think, well, it's interesting that some of those people who were, who started these rumours about him before he'd even, yeah, before Chelsea had kicked a ball, were then, yep. uh, had a lot of, um, well, uh, a, 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 you know, it progressed ridiculously by February when, when yeah, they playing well enough, you know. Yeah, but that was in the ground and away. I mean, I think I think that if they yeah. take notice of anything, they take notice of, of the away support and they turned on him, you know, pretty much. Uh, I mean, it was real. I mean, I, I think the FA Cup match against United was a turning point, yeah. but apparently it was, it was Arsenal. It was the Arsenal match when the away support deserted him. And I think they take more notice of that because they see that. People don't really take notice of what happens on social media, and frankly, nor should they. I have to say one thing that would underline this all for me, and 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 you know, in a sense, fair play to him because you know we all know. Let's let's take the personalities out of the equation here, and whether you're Sarri in or Sarri out, um, the bottom line is is that we all know deep down that Chelsea have been rubbish at backing man- managers, really, in the last five years. I mean, I know that they've spent money here there. And everywhere, and that's that's undeniable. But some of their buys have been utterly appalling. Okay, some of them have been chosen by the managers, but I think we all know that if Sarri was going to uh, make his version of football work, then a lot of money needed to be spent, like it was at City for Pep Guardiola. And if I'm Sarri and I'm looking at Chelsea as a club, I've got to know them for a year. I've got to know how the board operate. I'm facing a transfer ban, possibly. The club don't seem to be too aggressive in trying to get that rescinded. I'm losing, uh, you know, a unique player who's irreplaceable in, in Hazard, who's, you know, pretty much carried the team for quite a while. And I'm thinking, I've worked with these players for a year. They ain't going to pick up what I'm going to try and teach them. This is rubbish. I'm going to go. And if I'm doing a job, I mean, and I've done jobs, you know, where I've looked at the, the team that I've got, the kind of the company that I'm working for, and I just think, I'm not going to bang my head against a brick wall trying to make this work because it ain't going to work. I'm going to go somewhere where I can make it work. So I don't blame him for that. And I'll tell you what, another thing, the, the fact that he will do that, and I suspect that he has done this, uh, that tells you that he's ha- had a huge amount of experience outside of football. Fair play to him on that point, I think, boys. Well, Liam, would you... J- just one, one final thing, Chidge. I think the, the other side of this is that he's been offered the best job in Italy. Well, there is that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man United Juventus, of Italy, aren't they? Yeah. Juventus would be a, a hugely attractive job to any coach in the world, but particularly to to an Italian coach. I mean, I don't think Massimiliano Allegri did a lot wrong to to deserve Juventus kind of softly pushing him out the door in the way that they did. But the the way the reason that they got effectively got rid of him, I think, makes them an even more appealing proposition for someone like Sarri because. They weren't questioning Allegri's results or achievements. They wanted a different style. And, you know, that that's the pitch they've made to Sarri. And that's the reason why I think he's interested, because he's going to get to work with 
let's face it, a, a higher average quality of player than Chelsea have at this point in time. He's going to work with a potential Champions League contender. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, mu- how many of his instructions Cristiano Ronaldo pays the slightest bit of attention to. <laughs> but, um, that, that's a separate man management issue still to come. I'll be fascinated to see how Sarri gets on. But in, you can absolutely see why that job would be not just incredibly tempting to him, but far more tempting than, as you've, uh, as you've eloquently laid out, the, the job that he would face at Chelsea next yeah. season, which is unenviable. Indeed, for anybody. Uh, and on that point, Liam, uh, this is the these are the, uh, the 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 well the likely suspects according to all sorts of uh, media that I've uh, I've been absorbing all week. Obviously, we've been hearing for ages that you know Frank Lampard and Jody Morris r- remain a possibility. Allegri himself has apparently expressed interest in coming to the Premier League. I saw rumours doing the round this weekend that Mourinho possibly backed up by JT as an option. Uh, Nunes de Santos often been on the. Uh, the radar. I saw an article. Would you believe that Patrick Vieira, which I just couldn't, I just couldn't stomach that. But apparently he's in the frame. Diego Simeone gets his usual, uh, you know, uh, nod on this, and 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 Steve Holland as well. And I think Javier uh, Grazia was also mentioned as I was reading some stuff today. I mean, and, and, as, and as Raymond oh God, oh Ray, oh thank you, J.K. I forgot Raymond Blanc. You don't, you don't mean him. You mean Lauren Blanc? Sorry, Lauren yeah, Ray, <laughs> Raymond Blanc. Who's he? It, <laughs> He'd cook him a nice meal, mate, but I don't think he'll do very well on the coaching front. But uh, uh, good, good effort, J.K. I love it. I love a J.K. senior moment, and that one is. I'm glad he's done one on the last show. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Larry, Larry White, of course, who was in the frame uh, last time round. I mean, you know, this is just classic Chelsea, isn't it, uh, Liam? You know, they never tell anybody anything, so therefore the entire journalistic profession, you know, has to scrabble around putting two and two together to make five. But um, what what are your own personal thoughts on this and who it might be next time round? Well, I think the other interesting thing about that list is that it's quite like um, it's quite like Chelsea's managerial shortlist every time they're looking for a new coach, which is hugely, hugely disparate and suggesting that they don't really know what they're looking for. Um, you know, if they actually were considering all of those names, which I don't think they are, I'd, I'd be absolutely stunned if Mourinho came. Um, I'd be stunned if if Diego Simeone would even consider it, given the circumstances and how how much power he's got at Atletico. Um, but you know, it, it, you, there's a lot of different types of coaches there, and uh, and and I think it, it it does speak to Chelsea still trying to figure out what direction they want to take. And you look at the Lampard Morris um, potential avenue, and I know it's one that has huge cachet with the fans. I think it's it's interesting on a number of levels because you obviously get the the Solskjaer type emotional boost and I think Chelsea were definitely pandering to that when they brought Mourinho back after Rafa Benitez in 2013. They definitely wanted that PR boost of, of bringing back a club legend. So it would tick that box. Of course, you have to be careful of, of avoiding the situation that United find themselves in with Solskjaer now, whereas... You're, you're going into, you're potentially going into something not knowing really how good someone is. Um, but there is also, there are also logical reasons that speak in, in Lampard and Morris's favour. You know, the fact that they've worked well with young players at Derby playing a, a pretty progressive, exciting, dynamic style of football, particularly, you know, two, two players that they might be 
you know, bringing into the Chelsea first team squad if they if they came in Fukuyo Tomori and Mason Mount. And yeah, I mean it. It's it, and I think when you look at next season, particularly without Hazard, and if the transfer ban remains in place, in some ways that could be the perfect opportunity for someone as relatively unproven as Lampard to come in and have almost a free swing at it. Where if if Chelsea don't finish in the top four and they don't win a trophy, if ever a coach was going to survive that, it would be a club legend like Lampard in a season like next season, where Chelsea is so obviously in a period of transition and, and trying to, to reboot around youth. So there, there are plenty of reasons reasons for it. I mean, Steve Holland is, is one that they considered, I think, a few months ago as a caretaker if they were forced to sack Sarri. It would be another, I think it would be another conversation entirely about point, appointing him permanently because he's never been a permanent manager anywhere. Although he's, he's obviously very highly rated at Cobham and with what he's done um, alongside Gareth Southgate. Hmm. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, ultimately, the other question in this for me, well, this is, again, this is something that you might have a take on, on, on Liam, because, you know, given what I've just described about the club, let, let, let's assume, for, for sake of argument, that the, the transfer ban happens, right? Um, Chelsea you know, it's kind of still in transition. We've got an ageing squad. Yes, we've got some incredibly talented youth players coming through, but they're all very much untried and tested. Um, we've got a, an owner who's not keen to go potty spending money, although is still prepared to spend money, although that would be irrelevant if we have a transfer ban, of course. You know, what, what kind of elite-level manager is going to want to come and manage Chelsea? And that's why I think maybe, you know, you get Lampard and Morris to do it because they will. I mean, am I being mad here or have I got a point? No, I think that's very true. And I think that that's the reason why I'd be stunned if Allegri even considered it, given how careful he was about yeah. um, sort of le- leaving Juventus. I think he only would have left Juventus. It would have taken a, an incredible job to get him out of Juventus voluntarily. Diego Simeone, there's always speculation that... Um, linking him with leaving Atletico Madrid. But then you look at the table of the world's highest paid coaches and you realise why he hasn't and why he's unlikely to. Because mm. he's the second highest paid coach in the world. Wow. And he's got an incredible amount of power. He's a, he's a god in, in the red half of Madrid. He's, he's mm. built that club from the ground up and he's, a, he's allowed a level of freedom to, to, you know, to build that team in his image that he, he wouldn't be guaranteed to get anywhere else. So... I'd be very, very surprised. Although Chelsea might fit him culturally a little bit more than other major clubs, I'd be very, very surprised if he would even consider it and definitely not consider it now. Someone like mm. Nuno De Santo, um, and I mean, ESPN reported today that Javi Gracia is on the shortlist. That was our senior writer, Mark Ogden, um, reporting that. I mean, those guys, there's every chance they might consider it because it is certainly a step, step up, up from the clubs yeah. that they're... That they're coaching right now and and even in a relatively down year I think those guys might there's a chance those guys could make the calculation of well you know having a transfer ban and and being in a bit of transition might be the only reason why a club like Chelsea are even considering me and I might not get this opportunity again so if, if that does happen I think those guys that sort of bracket of manager would have a very interesting decision to make but it's still not entirely clear where Chelsea will go I don't think they've made a decision yet um but it will be very interesting to see 
what what sort of governs their decision making in the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's a presumption that Steve Holland would like to leave England anyway, isn't it? I presume that he, why would he want to come back to Chelsea considering he's making such a success of the England uh, assistant coach? Would he say it's a step up? Well, obviously, but if he's been assistant all his career and he's with a successful England side, perhaps now is not the time for him. Well, it depends if he wants to be a number one, doesn't it, JK? Yeah. Um, and that's that's hard to... Without speaking to him, it's hard to assess his his desire. I mean, he's been number two to a lot of really, really good distinguished coaches. So he's had some of the best preparation for being a number one. It's true, it's true. That, yeah. that any yeah. assistant manager can have. But it, it just depends what's what's in his mind. What how ambitious is he and, and what kind of timetable does he have in his head? And it I think I'm sure it'd be if Chelsea were to go as far as to offer it to him, I'm sure it'd be a, a huge it would be something he'd have to have to really, really think about. Yeah, well, we shall see. Obviously, this is going to keep us, uh, you know, occupied in the next few weeks, no doubt. Now, look, very, very quickly as we kind of wrap this part up, um, there's some more goodbyes to be had. Um, you know, it was really nice to actually see that uh, Aspilicueta, uh ensured that Gary Cahill uh, lifted the Europa League Cup with him in the presentation. And uh, I think Gary Cahill's kind of pretty much now officially left uh, Chelsea and a massive thank you and goodbye to him for his wonderful service. I think really sad what's happened to him this year, but uh, for the record, he joined us in January 2012 for 7 million quid, 290 appearances, 25 goals, two Premier Leagues, two FA Cups, one League Cup, a Champions League and two Europa Leagues. He's won it all. Uh, Thank you for everything, Gary Cahill. And at the same time, uh, a complete end, actually, because Gary will probably go and get another club, I hope, uh, this summer. He certainly deserves to. But, of course, uh, big Petr Cech uh, played his last match. And, uh, I mean, ironically, I think he was arguably Arsenal's man of the match. He kept it down to single figures, I think. Uh, but apparently he was in tears at the end, uh, which is a great shame. But, uh, um, you know, it, I think, well, I mean, statistically anyway, chaps, he's the most successful goalkeeper in Premier League history. Uh, 202 Premier League clean sheets, 124 international caps, five FA Cups, four Premier Leagues, four Community Shield, three League Cups, one Champions League, one Europa League. That's not a bad haul. Um, Jonathan, is he the Premier League's greatest goalkeeper of all time? Uh, I can't remember, Chidge. I can't, you can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. So well, just lie. Another senior moment. Yes, he is. He's great. Can I just ask a question here, Chidge? Yeah. What? What is he? Is he joining as the technical director, or is that? Oh, that's why I hear. I mean, Liam might know more than us. Is it rubbish? Why would he have admitted it before the Arsenal game? Why did that story get out? It's disappeared again. What was that all about? Was it? You know, I mean, I would. It'd be great if he came, but in essence, why would he want to? Does he not want to have another career elsewhere? What you know? Does he want to get into management or anything? Why would he immediately come and join Chelsea as the director of football? I don't. I don't I've never thought well, that was really logical. So I think he is. I think he is coming back. Oh, um, yes. okay, all right. Yeah. It, it depends. the The exact role is is yet to be defined. And even if it was something like a sporting director or a technical director role, um, that kind of job is different at Chelsea than it would be at most other clubs because you have an unusual structure with a very hands-on chief executive in Marina Granovskaya and, a, and a, an owner who likes to be across most things or at least traditionally in in, in his ownership in Abramovich. Um, I th- he, you know, the, the way 
well, the way Matt Law reported it in the Telegraph about a month ago uh, was that Czech would be seen as sort of like the liaison between the dressing room and the boardroom and the, the coach in the boardroom, which is part of the role that Michael Emanalo filled. Um, wasn't, that to, wasn't that essential while Sarri was being so inept at communicating, clearly? Was, you know, was he not kind of a sort of a translator for, for Sarri? And if Sarri goes and it's Frank, is he needed? Who's Zola, did you say? No, no, no. no. Um, I, I don't think Zola did anything, actually. But no, no, um, it wasn't. Um, I thought that Czech was going to be brought in. I felt as a, if Sarri was having another season as a kind of uh, coordinator or, or translator, not even that, just somebody who would stand in for him. But if he's not going to be there, you don't, do you just Frank, if, and say Frank's the manager, Frank wouldn't need him, would, wouldn't need an extra, another person trying to explain the culture or trying to, to smooth the waters because Frank surely has a, an entree that nobody else would have, Frank well, and I just, Well, I think, I think Chelsea, I think this decision would be, is being made not really with a view to who, who is going to be the head coach. It's more a recognition of the fact that they've taken a long time over replacing Emanalo. It's been, I think, almost two years now. Uh, and I think they've 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 thought all along that they need a, a very particular type of person with a, a very particular um, sort of cachet within the club to do that kind of job. Someone who's respected by everyone, who's intelligent, good at main, good at building and maintaining relationships, and um, and can really help bind everything together. Because that was a, a big problem in Conte's second season once Emanalo left, and you know Conte was a high maintenance individual anyway. Yeah. Um, but that, the big problem was that once Emanalo left and Emanalo's office was opposite the head coaches at Cobham, that that day-to-day sort of intermediary between Granovskaya, the you know the rest of the board, and and what Abramovich wanted wanted relayed was was gone from from the head coach, and uh, and I think right. that became a, a bigger problem and exacerbated any any tensions that might otherwise have been have been nipped in the bud. So I think that that's that's more the thinking of Czech. You know, he's a club legend. He's a he's a super nice guy by all accounts. Um I think he'd come in and immediately command respect. So that that is the thinking behind that that type of job. As to why that story got out um again a few weeks before the uh, a few days before the Europa League final, I'm I'm not sure. I think there might have been some mischievous leaking from someone because I, I know I know for a fact that Czech didn't want it out there. And uh, I don't think I I don't think either of the clubs particularly wanted it out there either, because, you know, Chelsea certainly didn't want to put Czech in any sort of awkward position that would, you know, it it came close to even putting his participation in the game um, uh, under threat because Emery was asked about it in his press conference. Okay, uh, right. Just to wrap this part up, uh, we can't uh, leave uh, Baku and the Europa uh, League Cup final without uh, giving another kicking to UEFA, Liam. Um, I mean, you know, obviously I was watching it from a long, long way away and actually literally as well as metaphorically because the TV pictures were appalling so far away were they from the action, not helped, of course, by the fact that it's uh, a bit like the uh, the London Stadium, West Ham's ground. But uh, the atmosphere was really poor. The view was really poor over and above the fact that it was, you know, bloody impossible for a lot of people to get out there and way too expensive 
Um, and we should say this again, you know, kudos to all of the Chelsea supporters and Arsenal supporters, actually, who made it out there, uh, not just from uh, here in the UK, but from all over the world. I mean, that was an upside, actually. I think it gave an opportunity for a lot of overseas fans to, to go. Um, the bottom line is, uh, Liam, is that UEFA must not be allowed to ruin uh, a final like this again. Although, he- here's the thing. This is what I thought of. I'm not sure if I thought about it on Friday or over the weekend, but it, it-, it was very much like what the dreaded, uh, the fears that we have of what a 39th game might be. All the more reason for something like this not to happen again in my book. It really did feel like a pre-season friendly in the first half. Um, and I think there were a, a, a few factors for that. Obviously, the the, the, the tiny number of, uh, of fans from England that had made it to the game, real hardcore season ticket holders and, and members on both sides. Um, the distance from the pitch. Uh, the, the fact that both teams had had so, so much time off from the end of the season to, to, the, to, the, to the game itself. Uh, all created an atmosphere in which I think both teams felt really, really lethargic because there was nothing to feed off from the from the crowd. Mm. Uh, it, you know, in, in some ways, in, there were in in some ways it was quite nice for certain sort of local supporters clubs nearer Azerbaijan to get a good chance to to actually take advantage of geography working in their favour for once and going to these games. I mean, I saw a I saw a really uh, big group of Iranian Chelsea fans and, and Iraqi Chelsea fans outside the stadium who were clearly enjoying themselves and enjoying the fact that they could get a direct flight to a, a European final featuring Chelsea. Um, but unfortunately, you know, in, in, in the aggregate, Baku certainly didn't suit the most number of people. The airport wasn't equipped to handle um, as many planes as it needed to be. I think there were only three direct flights scheduled per week between London and Baku which is clearly insufficient um, for, for an occasion of that kind. And even the stadium itself kind of surprised me with how ill-suited it was to a, to a high-profile football match. I mean, on the outside, it looked like a, a, it bore a passing resemblance to the Allianz Arena, but on the inside, it looked a lot more like the London Stadium, mm. uh, which is not a, not a good comparison you, you ever want to have. I feel a little bit sorry for the for the local Azeris as well because yeah. I think Baku itself was quite a nice city in my experience and a, a lot of the Chelsea fans I know who did make it and some of the Arsenal fans that I've seen on social media who made it as well ha- had a pretty decent time and the the, fr- the locals were friendly. They knew that all eyes were on their city and I think they created a pretty decent impression overall. It's just a shame that the organisation was so poor and that UEFA didn't seem to consider any of these things before just awarding the game. Indeed. Uh, I, I echo what you say about the Azerbaijanis. I uh, said to you before we went on air, I did an interview with, uh, I don't know, I think it's the equivalent of their, you know, either Sky Sports or BBC Sports or whatever, and they interviewed me uh, on a Skype video link, and they were lovely. They were uh, WhatsApping me during the game, the very lovely uh, lady presenter, the cheeky uh, and, girls, and, cheeky girls. Well, I don't know. No, they weren't cheeky, but they were very nice, and they uh, they kept on. Uh, the, 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 her her shtick on uh, WhatsApp was to kind of she would like record a message, a voice message, and send it to me. But she was also sending me videos of the goals. It was brilliant. But it, and she was sitting in the press box, and and you had a real idea about how bloody far away it was. It was not an ideal stadium. But there's no that's no fault of the 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 people from Baku who everybody that I know who went out there. So what an amazingly beautiful, lovely place it is and how lovely the people were. And I think it's just a shame they were kind of caught in the 
the crosshairs, really, of this appalling decision by UEFA. Anyway, we've got loads more to talk about on the show tonight, so we're going to get on with that. Uh, and uh, in the next part, we're going to be asking, uh, does beating Arsenal 4-1 in a European final make up for a difficult season on and off the pitch for Chelsea supporters? And we're going to look back, have a bit of a review of the season in terms of its highs and its lows. We'll see you in a second. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. Uh, I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, uh, part three of the last show of the season, the last Monday night edition of the Chelsea Fancast, which is a bit sad, really, because it's, uh, it's been a long old slog this season, people. I've got to tell you, I love it to pieces, and I love you lot, particularly the Mixler peeps who, uh, who uh, keep us company on a Monday night. But uh, it's a hard slog this year, I've got to say. I'm getting a bit too old for this, I think. I'm, I'm feeling a bit like David Louise, I think, and prone to the same uh, kind of you know positional errors usually on the show. But there you go. Um, right, this part is a bit, bit of a review thing, really. And I think the, the obvious question to start with, um, which I'm going to ask Jonathan first, but um, uh, you know, does beating Arsenal 4-1 in a major European final, which of course is something that makes me ecstatically joyful particularly about putting them back in their box. Um, but does it really make up for um, what has been quite a difficult and some would say horrible season on and off the pitch for Chelsea supporters? Um, it does and it doesn't, doesn't it? it, 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 it as we've established, it, it's, they thrive off chaos and they've got a wonderful mentality. Um, 
but it's been an awful season. Uh, I've never known a manager come in for such stick, um, other than um, managers like Danny Blanchflower and Jeff Hurst. And that's because they were dreadful. At least there was consistency. The team was dreadful all the time and didn't have any aspirations because it was always going to be dreadful. Um, but it's that feeling that somehow we should do, be doing better and we should be part of the elite, which uh, the success of the club has, has forced upon us. But um, uh, it does give a gloss to the season, doesn't it? It does make us think... Um, Cheer me up. Wow. Yeah, well, I've just said I've been in a... I've been in. I've been a glow for the last week. Yeah, and um, no, it really has. There's a bloke. Um, it's this. It's this pride that people have. I've never realised London had so many Liverpool fans. I have to say, these <laughs> people falling out of pubs on Saturday. You thought, God, I didn't realise there were 120 Liverpool fans in the in the Fulham area. Um, I thought they were all Chelsea and Fulham. Um, but um, there was a bloke on the tube today in his Spurs shirt, just saying, "Look at me, look." I'm, you know, I've been to a European Cup final. We may have lost, but we had a wonderful season. Well, well you didn't, that, you didn't yeah. win the thing, mate. We won yeah. a trophy, European trophy. You won nothing again, again. I know. So I know. you know, um, but yeah, it, yes, it was it was an awful season. It's been divisive. It's been uh, vituperative, to use a word I don't often use. And and yet we've come away with a trophy. Therefore, you know, when we look back on it in five years, we'll go. That was pretty good. We won a trophy, won another European trophy. But I'd like to see, and with a typical being Chelsea, uh, if he does go to Juventus, we're on another adventure. We're on something else new. And will the players respond? Will he get new players in? Will Jorginho join join Sarri at Ju- Juventus if uh, if it happens? Who knows? But it, it's 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 part of the the fabric of being a Chelsea fan. This it's highs mm. and lows and and excellence amidst. Um, amidst, I don't know, just terrible, low, terrible, rubbish moments. You know, I'm. Uh, I wish, I wish, actually, it was more of the kind of period when we had Mourinho as a manager. We just got better and better and better and better because you then thought, yes, this the potential of this team. But you know, that's not the way it's gone the last few seasons. It's never ever dull. Um, Liam, uh, what, what's your take on it? You know, do you, I mean, it's interesting actually what Jonathan was saying there that we will remember this season because we won the Europa League. And I'm thinking back to the season with Benitez, and I don't, I don't remember that we won the Europa League that 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 season. I remember that we had that fat Spanish waiter in charge, and it soured it all for me. Uh, so I'm not sure if it will, uh, it will kind of, you know, make up for the difficulties that we've had this season. But, but, but you have a more a, a more impartial view, I would have thought. Well, I think if you if you're a, if you're a fan, I think how you remember it will probably be conditioned with what you thought of Sarri. Going back to what you said of Benitez, I think you know your opinion of Sarri will will, will colour everything. And if you weren't inclined to like him to begin with, um, a Europa League win is not going to vastly change your opinion. And uh, well, I, sorry, yeah, I mean that's a, no, no. I was just going to butt in. I think that's an an excellent point. And. Uh, I think on that point, um, I will remember this season for the fact that we beat Arsenal. I mean, actually, the fact that we beat Arsenal 4-1 in a major European final, if it had been anybody else, it would have been a bit less so. But the fact we beat Arsenal really has cheered me up immensely. Because I think the alternative to that would have been, had we lost to them, I would have been, I'd have had the hump for the whole summer. And I, and I basically don't dislike Sarri, really. I really dislike Benitez. So there you go. That kind of answers that question for you. Sorry to butt in. That's all right. No, I, yeah, I think this has maybe been the weirdest Chelsea season I can remember covering because 
there's a clear difference between what they've actually achieved when you look at the baseline results and how it's felt for an awful lot of people. And, you know, you look, you look at the Premier League table, and I think we, we did this a couple of weeks ago just after the season, and you, you have to say, looking at all of Chelsea's bottom line stats, Sarri has made them different rather than better. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think he's just he's tried to impose his, his system as best as he can, but the squad hasn't changed very much and it still has many of the same limitations as it had last, last season. And uh, and in the meantime, you've had this culture clash going on with many of the fans, which has has made it feel at times so much worse than it than it actually is. Um, and when you when you add all that to the fact that they kind of stumbled into third place on the back more of other teams' failings than their own sort of end of season surge, and I think you you probably look at it and the Europa League final was was a fittingly surreal end to what's been a a season that's kind of defi- defied any any easy sort of narratives and and uh, any any sort of easy sort of conclusions yeah i couldn't disagree with any of that let's let's drill down a bit more i mean i i kind of did a bit of a kind of a personal brainstorm earlier on uh kind of outlining what i thought were the high points of the season and the low points of the season and i'm I am disappointed to say that the low points uh, is, is at least double, possibly three times as long as the high points list. I'm going to do the high points first, uh, and then we can talk about that. Um, definitely the Europa Cup win, right up there. Uh, beating Man City at home, uh, beating Spurs in the uh, Caribou Cup, certainly, uh, and beating Liverpool in the Caribou Cup, definitely high moments. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Callum Hudson-Odoi both breaking through. That's brilliant. Uh, I love that. Um, actually, Giorgino turning his form around, really. I thought fair play to him. You know, he got a lot of stick. And uh, I think it takes some balls to do that. I think Kepper proving that he is going to be a very, very good goalkeeper. I quite like that. And I also think uh, Rudiger's captaincy potential possibly came to the fore this season. I really liked him a lot, Jonathan. Um, do you have anything to add there? Would you like to comment on any of those? No, I think they're all um, spot on. I think Christensen improving as well is a goodie. I think he, uh, yes. as the season went on, and having opportunities, particularly since his at the beginning of the season, his dad got involved and said he was going to leave unless he got enough involvement. And I remember us saying on the uh, the podcast, well, you know, there are bound to be injuries, so just hang about, mate. What's the matter with you? And there were indeed injuries, and he came in, and uh, despite early on people having doubts upon him uh, about him, I think he, he got stronger and stronger. Um, uh, and I think uh, it'll be if a new manager comes in, Kante, of course, had a great season, but will he then go back to um, playing his defensive role? Will, will that will that suit the team better? Uh, and I think that's dependent on whether Jorginho does in fact leave and jo- and joins um, Sarri in uh, Juventus. Would the club let him go? Would the, if I suppose if they got more more money for him, they'd be happy. Um, uh, a very good point you made, uh, Chidge. I think if 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 of course we'd lost the Europa Cup, I think we'd be having a completely different view of the season, even yeah. though we'd finished third because it was hugely dependent on other teams playing dreadfully. We're putting all their eggs in one basket. Spurs, for example, is clearly attempting to win the the, the uh, Champions League. And the same with Arsenal taking their foot off the gas because they thought they would they would roll us over. Um, mm. I'm trying to think other other players. Uh, Barkley didn't quite... Um, uh, he got better as the season went on. I think that was the other thing about them. He, they didn't quite prove their, their, uh, their real ability. But... Um, 
uh, Adoy and Cheek was were real positives and such a shame that both of them got injured with the same bizarre injury that we wouldn't ever have predicted that. Um, uh, uh, and and G- I suppose Giroud in the end, a high point, Giroud coming good and his form in the... Uh, uh, in the Europa Cup, because yeah, you know, yeah. best best number of goals, wasn't it? He was he was the yeah. highest goal scorer, and um, clearly, other than a, a rather lumpen performance against uh, uh, Eintracht, was far too superior for any of the 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 pub teams they played early on. But mm. um, I mean, that that could be something you could say against the Europa Cup win is that uh, lots of the teams weren't anywhere near as good as us. It seemed to prove to me um, that actually our our squad was really pretty good in terms of Europe, but not good enough to to challenge the two top teams. And that will be the, uh, the, the, the litmus test for next season as to whether we can get anywhere near them. But yeah, I think what you've put there, Chidge, is, um, is pretty good. Uh, um, yeah, Rudiger was a, was a real plus towards the end. He clearly is a, uh, a, a, he's a, he's a top personality, particularly the, the madness of him and his crutches at the end with the trophy. The, the non-stop photo opportunities with him balancing himself, you know, with the cup at various angles with his gammy leg. It was completely ridiculously funny, that. I loved that. Yeah. Uh, Liam, Liam, do you have anything to add to that list or, or would you be broadly in agreement with that? Yeah, I think broadly in agreement. I, I, I would actually say maybe even a slightly strange one, but the... About 119 minutes of the of the Carabao Cup final before... Before Keppergate, um, I thought <laughs> yeah. was actually a pretty, pretty positive day for Chelsea and for Sarri. All in all, mm. the fact that they um, pretty much matched Manchester City, nullified what City wanted to do, arguably the best team in Europe at that time on an on an unbelievable run of, run of winning games, uh, and and maybe should have even nicked that game in extra time. I thought that was a really really positive day um, for Chelsea and for Sarri, and that's why. The whole furore about Kepper and the late substitution was was even more unfortunate for him because it completely overshadowed uh, everything that had been good about about Chelsea's performance that day. Yeah, well, I've, I I agree with that. I've, I should have mentioned that's a good point. Um, and think interestingly enough, that was kind of lost in the you know the real fulcrum of the opprobrium about Sarri at the time because it was coming quite quickly off the back of the six nil. More of that later. Planet Earth is blue has said winning Britain's got talent. That He's referring to the Chelsea pensioners. Well done. And uh, Paul Burgess says Robert Green in full kit. That was the highlight of the year. I love those <laughs> suggestions. Um, I love the fact that they're funnier than us, actually, on Mixler, Jonathan. I, I, I commend Gage, them. Just read them out. Read out what they've got to say. Don't have the show. Just read out everything. No, oh, well, it's, it's, it's a new, new idea for next year. Yeah. We're just going to read out Mixler comments, and, and it'll be a much shorter show, but it'll be better. Uh, right, I'm going to talk about the low points now, so brace yourselves, people. This is not happy reading. Um, right, this is my own personal list. It's long. Uh, losing 6-0 to City, 3-1 to Spurs, 2-0 to Arsenal, and 4-0 to Bournemouth. Not beating many of the top 10 away. I think we might have won one away. Uh, Hazard leaving and the stink that that's been all season, really. Uh, Keppergate, I thought that was very unsavoury in the League Cup final. I think the treatment of Cahill was disgraceful. Kante not playing in his best uh, best position. OK, there are arguments against that I accept, but I, I think he's the best in the world there, and I accept that Sarri doesn't play that way and all that kind of thing, but you know what I mean. Uh, buying Higuain, who proved to be just... He made Chris Sutton look good 
Uh, Raymond being absent all year, I think, has caused all sorts of problems. Rudiger, Ruben and Callum all getting injured. Very sad for the latter two, of course, because they're so young and they're horrible injuries, uh, Achilles injuries. Uh, the turgid football uh, in the middle of the season, really disappointing, which, of course, begat the uh, really awful atmosphere, both, uh, you know, in the grounds uh, and and particularly, well, as I then go on to say, the whole Sarri in, Sarri out stuff on social media. I just think it's just been so toxic uh you know, even in the stadium, but particularly on social media. And, of course, there have been other things going on about that to do with, the you know, anti-Semitism, which has been pretty unpleasant. I don't think I've ever known a season where Chelsea fans have been against uh, each other to the uh, degree in which they have this season. And I have to say, you know, that really saddens me. I mean, one of the beautiful things about the show that we do here is that We've done a lot to bring people together from all over the world, and we don't we don't pass judgment on anybody. We accept everybody who wants to be part of what we do. So to see that all going down the shitter has been particularly disappointing this season. Not our fault, obviously, but it, it's certainly been there. That's really upset me. Uh, the stadium redevelopment clearly that seems to be receding at the moment. UEFA being wankers at the end of the season that's really given me the hump. Uh, but actually, I think the the the, the biggest. Uh, sadness other than the, the, you know the divide that we've got between each other but the complete disconnect that I've been seeing and of course remember I'm the chairman of the Supporters Trust so I'm quite privy to this but the real disconnect between match going supporters and the club and the contempt for match going supporters by the club and I think really it has to be said in favour of a lot of the overseas supporters that is not the overseas supporters fault I hasten to add but this seems to me to be a, a key plank of their whole business uh, model and marketing strategy so that's quite a long list chaps uh any uh, jonathan would you like to comment first can i also add the uh, the ridiculous situation with danny drinkwater it's a is yes an appalling low point man being paid a hundred thousand a week who seems to document his his nightclub activities on twitter so you can see him wandering around um uh, not playing for the club and not being in the in the uh, in the window at all and uh, you'd have thought that Surrey when he came in said that one of his his tenets for being um, the manager he was was that he didn't need the transfer window because he could make players into great players by following his system which was possibly the worst thing he could have said because uh, clearly drink water was not one of them and he said he couldn't make him he didn't need him as a player well surely if if Surrey was capable of 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 changing players abilities he would have been one to have a go with because he 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 was a, a a pretty decent player for Leicester so I'm utterly bemused and confused by what this is about and whether he'll carry on being in the club next year which I fear he will be because he still has a contract doesn't he so um, he's a he's an extra for me but yeah all, all of them um, uh, Higuain as I've just rabbited on all the time was a, a, abysmal um, and you wonder whether if Sarri does carry on next year, whether he'll he'll still have him. I think the board will put their foot foot in feet in there somewhere. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, the Ruben and Callum injuries are, are sufficiently worrying as to see whether they'll actually be the same players again. They're that bad those injuries. Um, I think they'll need a lot of rehabilitation. Um, um, but yeah, the the the. I wouldn't say the football was turgid. I think it just wasn't working. It, well, it was. It came across as being turgid once again because we didn't have a striker. I'll keep going on about that. Um, uh, treat, I, I still think one of the low points for Sarri was his treatment of Cahill because he could 
very easily have brought him on for a few more minutes at, at the end of games that were won, uh, which would have endeared him to the crowd. So I don't think he helped himself uh, in that instance. Sorry. Um, uh, okay, I've got a couple to add from uh, uh, from the good denizens of uh, of uh, Mixler. Um, uh, basically, yeah, I mean, Paul Burgess against his... Uh, watching Spurs be Spursy again and winning fuck all. Uh, Mark Barfoot says beating Kiev 8-0 on aggregate. They're still on the on the positives. But I've got a good one from Joe the Blue here, actually, um, which I, I, I stupidly omitted, and I should have added this. This is a good good addition, actually. He says, Jorginho's treatment by the fans has been a constant low. Think what you want of th- think what you want of him, but he doesn't deserve the treatment he's gotten. I couldn't agree more, Joe. I mean, ultimately, we're there to support the players and the uh, and the team, um, and uh, it's very sad that he's been singled out. I do think that that's kind of peculiar circumstances because I think you know it's easier to dig him out than it was to dig Sarri out in a sense, and I think he he was scapegoated there. But it's a really good point, Joe. Thank you, uh, Liam. Uh, anything to add? Anything to comment on on my very very long miserable list? Um, just a couple of uh, a couple of lows that are player related. I think it's sad that this has effectively been a wasted season for Ethan Ampadu, um, yes. especially given the progress that he seemed to make under Conte. Um, I think that's been a combination of badly timed injuries and also Sarri just deciding that he didn't Ampadu didn't particularly fit any of the positions in his system. And I think finding Ampadu's best position is a, is a huge question for Chelsea going forward because there's no doubt that he has the talent and just as importantly, the mentality to be a big player for Chelsea for, for the years to come. And the other ones I was thinking of were just um, Alvaro Morata not, not doing anything in his second season in England. And, I've and, forgotten all about him. And, mate. And, being so, uh, and being actually so disappointing that, you know, Chelsea effectively bailed on him midway through the campaign. I think, you know, Chelsea's season was always going to be determined first and foremost by how well they could score. And and there was still hope, I think, going back to last summer that Morata, there were enough mitigating circumstances about his first season that you could maybe see, you know, if he could get his head right, that he could be the player that they needed. And he, he just never even got close to that. So I think that, that's been a, a disappointment just on a football football level because I think he's a super talented player. And also Mateo Kovacic, I think, uh, you know, when he came on against Arsenal in, in the, was it the second or third week of the season and he- helped Chelsea win that game, it looked like Chelsea had got a really, really good player who fit Sarri's system perfectly and, and uh, and could really help take that midfield onto the next level. And and as it subsequently emerged, he was a good player in some respects, but also a player with some fairly gaping flaws that um, sort of jarred quite badly with the flaws of the team. And when you've got a midfielder who is so bad at shooting that he actually became unwilling to shoot after the first couple of months, that that's a real problem when you're having having trouble scoring from elsewhere. Good point, mate. Good point. Um, and actually, talking of players, I, I, I thought we'd do a little bit of a best and worst here, uh, more to do with the players, um, really. Uh, I've got uh, I've got several categories here, just to let the peeps know what they are. Best player of the season, most consistent player of the season, most improved player, most underwhelming, biggest breakthrough, biggest decline, biggest scapegoat, best goal. Uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you uh, again. Um, would you like to give me uh, your answers to those questions? Uh, hazard. Best player? Uh, Kante. 
uh, most yeah. consistent, um, Loftus Cheek most improved, uh, most underwhelming, uh, uh, pr probably. Uh, well, you uh, underwhelming is obviously Maratta because they got rid of him, but um, exactly the same thing that um, uh, that Liam said about Kovacic, who started off phenomenally and then just was the worst shot in the team, but then slightly rediscovered himself um, towards the end of the season again by by playing a bit deeper. Um, biggest breakthrough would be uh, a, a doy for me. Uh, biggest decline, um, uh, for, I think it got worse and worse. I don't think any of them got worse and worse. Um, I think they improved a bit. Um, so who, who's the biggest breakthrough? Sorry, I got distracted. Did you tell me that? The biggest breakthrough, uh, a, a doy. A doy. For me. Okay. Um Decline? Yeah, I can't really think who got worse and worse. Again, well, the decline was um, was Higuain was awful all the way through. Uh, Morata was awful all the way through. Uh, I can't think of else, anybody else who got worse. Um, uh, I think Morata and Higuain. I'll say for that. They do. Um, scapegoat was Jorginho, obviously, and yeah. um, the best goal was uh, was Hazard's against West Ham. Yeah. You and I are remarkably similar, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Liam, how about you, mate? Best player, Hazard, um, by distance. Most consistent player, Kante, I think. Most improved, I would say Loftus-Cheek, based on what he did in the final months of the season. Um, most underwhelming, Morata. Biggest breakthrough, I would say the most significant breakthrough for what Chelsea want to do going forward would again be Loftus-Cheek, based on what he did in the last couple of months, which made his injury even more of a shame. Um, biggest decline, I'm going on decline of from what he was as a player before that, yeah. and Higuain has looked like an absolute shadow of the player that he was in Italy. Uh, biggest scapegoat, absolutely agree, Jorginho has had to deal with so much um, so much rubbish, really, that he that no player should have to deal with. Yeah, quite right. And best goal, I actually disagree with you, JK. I think Hazard against Liverpool was better back in September. Yeah, yeah, great goal as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've forgotten real... about it. It's too long ago now. So. Two nutmegs, two nutmegs in that goal. Yeah. Um, that's a real toughie, isn't it? I've got to say. Um, right, my turn now. Uh, remarkably similar, actually, you two. I've got to be honest. So that kind of tells you that... Um, you know, it's pretty clear-cut this year. I've got to be Hazard, best player of the season. I mean, what he did this season was superb. Certainly statistically, we know that. But I think, you know, we saw him at his absolute best this season. And considering everything else that was going on around him, uh, I think, you know, one needs to, uh, to, to you know, give him as much props as one can for that. Most consistent player, Kante. What an amazing player he is. Never moans, drives a mini, always smiles. I love this. If we had 11 Kantes, what on earth could go wrong? Most improved, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, without a doubt. Uh, most underwhelming, hmm. Um, I'm, I'm tempted to say, I'm, I'm, like, I'm with you lot, really. Morata or Kovacic, really. It's a toughie. Um, I think I agree with you, Jonathan. I think Kovacic has had his moments this season, and you can't say Morata has, so maybe I'll just go Morata as well. Um, biggest breakthrough I'm with Liam there I'm going to go Ruben Loftus-Cheek because I think well until he got bloody injured um, he was a starter and he and he looked like he suddenly felt he belonged in that side and he's changed as a player as a result and he looked really like he was going to be the player we all knew he could become I just hope he recovers from that injury uh, it's a nasty one let's hope he does uh, biggest decline uh, well I don't think Higuain declined at all I thought he was shit consistently uh, 
I don't think Morata really declined much either. I don't think you know, too much of him. Um, I, I think, actually, it might sound unfair to say this, I think Alonso, you know, when you look, you look at how good Alonso was last season, now, OK, I know he was being played out of position, which clearly didn't help, and I don't think he got on with Sarri as a result of that. But uh, I think just in, in, in pure footballing terms, you know, he was our, one of our best players last season, and he looked completely all at sea this season. So I'm, I'm going to be a bit controversial, perhaps. And, no, and, and, and Go on, mates. What are you going to say? No, it's good. I'm saying it's good. I think I agree with you. Except he played very well against Leicester. I keep going on about Leicester. Yeah. Played very, very well. So. I mean, I like I like Alonso a lot, as we know. But I think, just to be purely objective about it, big escape go. You cannot really go further than Jorginho. We're all agreed on, on, on that, I think. Uh, and this is where it gets tough, because I think you're both right. I think the Hazard goal against Liverpool was astonishing. But I've got to say, Liam, and I think purely because I was there... And I had a, the perfect view of it because where I sit in gate 17, you just look straight down that barrel. And I, I was off my, up off my seat and it was just a wonderful moment where you go absolutely loopy because you just know that you've seen something really, really special. So for me, it's got to be Hazard versus West Ham. But I do, I do respect what you say, Liam, because I thought the Liverpool goal was an astonishing solo effort. But that, that West Ham uh, goal against West Ham was just something else for me. So there you go. Um, there are a, there are a couple of uh, uh, other comments from people uh, just to kind of bring you to them. Uh, Paul Burgess says, "What happened to Barkley?" Bonnie Rig Blue says, "What about the lack of the Kerry Dixon show?" Chidge, just to add to the list, that's a very good point. Uh, I feel a bit bad about that. Uh, Dave and Alonso were poor, but I think more down to the system. Says Joe Bloggs. Uh, Paul says Alonso declined for me, although did pop up with some crucial goals. Um, and that, I think... Uh, why isn't Kante the most improved as well? His goal return went up over 400% from Benjito. That's a really good point, I have to say. Uh, and I think that's about it, really. Okay, good. Uh, we've got one more part. We've got loads of your emails, plus a bit of blathering nonsense from me. We'll see you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Uh, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. We're on the home straight street, even uh, the last 20 minutes or so of the Chelsea Fancast on a Monday night this season. So enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, right, as always, a few parish notices, as Uncle Tony Glover might say. Uh, Patreon, of course, uh, is a lovely little vehicle where um, I'm supposed to put lots of really useful stuff up for you to enjoy and fail miserably to do so. So one thing. I need to improve on next season is to engage more with it and and do more stuff for and with you. Uh, at the very least, you can kind of interact with me a little bit more directly and easier than you can through all the other plethora of media that we're on. Um, but ostensibly, it's kind of also allows you to thank us for what we do, contribute to what we do, and uh, in a sense, it's a bit like subscribing. So you know, like you pay a quid for a fanzine, it's a similar kind of principle but it's all online so if you want to bung us some money helps to cover the, the running costs and all that kind of jazz uh, please feel free to do so and donate whatever you want there is no pressure honestly if you do not do anything at all I still love you just as much um, but I'm very grateful and uh, in fact humbled by the fact that so many of you do so thank you if you want to go there it's patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast 
Um, and as I said, you know, it's a good way to get uh, your messages read out on here if that's what you want as well. Uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust um, will still be going strong this summer. We've got our elections out uh, at the end of August, the AGM in August, the, uh, you know, company report around the same time. Um, and uh, the uh, the survey will be released then too. So watch out for that. But if you want to get your voice heard by the club, it's free to join up to be a member. Uh, but if you want a badge and if you want to be able to vote and if you want to come to the meetings, then it's £5 a year. Easy to join. Sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com. And as I said, you can attend the meetings, uh, come to any of the events we do and vote in the elections. And uh, therefore, you can get your voice heard on all the issues that directly affect you. Because, of course, we do meet with the club and speak to them fairly regularly and follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust, at which point I should also say a massive thank you to Liam, who uh, was brilliantly supportive to the Trust on our big statement that kicked uh, UEFA in the nuts very squarely and possibly kicked the club in the shins. Would that be a fair assum- uh, kind of a, a analogy, Liam? <laughs> well, it was certainly, certainly an angry statement um, and with good reason to be angry. And yeah, I think every everyone... Every rel- every related party got a bit of it, didn't they? Well, quite right too. It was absolutely disgraceful, and uh, I, I don't like kicking the club on Julie. But when they need kicking, I'm quite happy to do that. Of course, just so you know, actually, uh, my term as chairman. Uh, this is not just you, Liam. This is to everybody listening. My term as chairman. Uh, is at an end in August because we're only allowed to do three years. Three years, I can't believe it. It's gone by very quickly. So there'll be a new chairman in the new board that gets elected um, in uh, the, the end of August. So there you go. So for all of those people out there who've supported me as chairman, it's kind of a early opportunity for me to say thank you very much. Right. Uh, finally, the Chelsea pitch owners, of course, which we love and support hugely. Uh, as you know, uh, they protect the future of the club. Uh, by owning the freehold at Stamford Bridge and uh, their aim is to make sure that Chelsea will forever uh, remain playing football at Stamford Bridge uh, and you can own a share in that endeavour and it's very easy to do. You go to info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out the official Chelsea FC website and just whack in pitch owners to the search engine. Follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. It's about 40 quid for the cheapest share so it's very good value. Um, just a very quick shout out for what we are doing in the summer. There will be no more uh, live Monday shows uh, until the new season starts. Uh, we all need a bit of a break, but we are going to be carrying on with um, the uh, Love Sports shows. More of that later on Fridays, although they're a bit, little, little bit shorter. I do intend to whack up a few of the old classic fan casts on a Monday night uh, when I come back from holiday. I'm off on holiday for a couple of weeks in a week's time. Um, and, you know, if there's some stuff that comes up, I, I will consider maybe... One thing I would love to do, actually, is to do uh, a fan cast whereby... You know, we have the capacity, as we do it on Skype, for people to phone in effectively and do a bit of a q and I, I, What I might do is get on uh, get on Patreon and see if I can gauge the interest. And if you're up for that and uh, my wife uh, decides not to divorce me, I will I will see if we can do a few of those. If Jonathan's up for it, he can join in too. He might want to go and uh, go back to his uh, villa in the Caribbean, of course, but uh, we shall see. Anyway, I'll keep, keep that. I'm sorry. Note. Well, you know, I, I kind of see you very much as an Ian Fleming character. You know, you go back to Goldeneye in Jamaica or wherever it is. And I'm just thinking more know. of Noel Coward, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, Noel Coward. Drink cocktails and have manservants, uh, you know, kind of uh, fanning you in the heat. That's that's my vision of you, JK, oh, in the summer. Thank you, Chidge. So that in your smoking jacket, yeah, of course. Yeah, and you know. my dressing gown. 
and your dressing gown indeed so there you go but i mean if you are around and you and you you you, you know don't need a rest then maybe you can both do it It'd be quite a giggle maybe i'll see if i can gauge some interest for that and we'll see how it goes all right enough uh there are emails and they're crackers this week so gird your loins for this they're all absolutely stonking and of course as ever the first one the duty falls to mr kid ben short dear chidge and jonathan here we are it's been a long season but we got through it After watching the final in Baku, I find myself unbelievably proud of our players and the fans who made the effort to get to Baku. Every single player played their hearts out and the effort was there to see, whether that be Christensen and Luiz at the back, diving into tackles, jumping in front of the ball, or Kante, supposedly unfit for the game, but not only played the whole 90 minutes, but covered more distance than any other player. Giroud with an outstanding header, it was Brilliant. And an assist. Hazard's man of the match performance proves why Madrid wants him so badly and why I was so desperate to keep him. Hazard made my heart sink when he said after the game, and I quote, I think it's goodbye. If he does go, I wish him all the best. He's been such a pleasure to watch and a real legend of our club. My only regret is that I wish I appreciated him more. Yes. Now, looking forward, the question I ask myself is, does Sarri deserve another season, a domestic cup final, securing Champions League football and winning a European Cup, whilst trying to implement a new style of play, but he hasn't helped himself at times? On paper, it's been a good season, but if you scratch under the surface, there are issues at the club, but not all can be placed at Sarri's door. For me, it all comes down to this transfer ban. If we don't get a transfer ban, keep Sarri. We've got this far, he's done reasonably well. And then in the summer, he can scoop the, scope the market and bring in players to help his style. Hopefully they don't flop like Higuain, because like Jonathan has said, he's been such a disappointment. And thank God Giroud started in Baku. Yeah, indeed. If we do get a transfer ban, then bring in Frank Lampard and Jody Morris. They know and understand the club, the fans, the players and the youth. They could use the transfer ban as an opportunity to reboot the squad, which is needed. I myself am of the opinion that if Frank and Jody are the long-term plan for the club, then bring them in now. I don't buy the inexperience argument. They will be the only two people given time, patience and respect. And I desperately want to see more young English talent in our squad. To sum up then, with all the despair of this season, I can look back at it with pride. I said that in my last email to you that the future of our club is bright and the road may be long and hard, but the tears will come. And they did. Another European Cup to add to the cabinet. Guys, I'm intending to get to the bridge a lot more next season. Take my son for the first time. Marvellous. It'd be such an honour to meet you all and share a pint or two. Thank you all for your hard work. Yours sincerely, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Lovely mail. Lovely, lovely. I think the, the, the honour would be all ours if, I, if oh, we were absolutely. to meet Ben and his son for a, for a sneaky pint. I'd love that. Love meeting. I do actually really love, and Jonathan does too. I mean, you know, Jonathan, you know, he's a bit of a busy man before the games, but you have been known to come to the Cock Tavern, haven't you? If you know that there are going to be people who listen to the show who I are going to do. Turn I, up. I pop in and shake a hand or two. He does, he does. He, and he does it himself. He doesn't get his manservant to do it. He, he does the handshaking <laughs> all of himself. He's at the door, Chidge, waiting for yes, me, impatiently looking at his watch. But uh, no, we, I, do, I do love, genuinely love uh, meeting the people who listen to the show. It's one of the highlights uh, uh, of doing this, really. And, you know, uh, and I was explaining to somebody the other day, actually, um, you know, about the rules for, for being a guest on this show. It was Dean, wasn't it? Because we had Dean on making his debut last week. Um but it's very important to me that the people on this show are people that I know and I've been to the games with. It's part of the gang, you know. 
and uh, I have had beer with Dean in the cock, so therefore he qualified. So that's very important to me. So you never know. You might get on the show if you come and have a beer with us in the cock. Right, uh, next email is from Kieran Duffy. This is hilarious, actually. This gave me a huge amount of pleasure when I... Uh, received this uh kieran says hey team here's an email i wrote a few weeks back i meant to send it sooner but well i didn't uh thought i'd try and get it in at the 11th hour come on the chels uh to chidge jk and all the true blue crew i'm writing to you from wellington in new zealand born in lewisham in the 80s and then raised in dublin to very proud dublin parents i've always had a bit of a black sheep vibe about me this was uh, then, it's probably a good job you went to New Zealand then, really, Kieran. But uh, anyway, this was uh, then emphasised by the fact that I was also a Chelsea supporter. Going against the grain of Irish-born Liverpool, United or Leeds supporters made for a very action-packed childhood. And to be accused of jumping on the bandwagon when an oligarch joined was always a here-we-go conversation. But I was born blue, raised blue and forever bleeding blue. I remember when the deal was sealed. I was eight years of age and my mother bought me my first football shirt. I was so proud. I eagerly threw it on and ran to show my dad with my mother by my side beaming. Sitting on the couch nursing a heavy previous night... Dad said, what the fuck is that? Uh, Slightly set back, I looked up at my mother searchingly. It's a football shirt, Paul. They're normally a fortune, but this one was on special, so I thought I'd get it for Kieran. Don't you like it, said my ma'am, defending her shrewdly purchased bargain. Claire, it's a fucking United uh, shirt. Take it off him right now. Have you still got the receipt? And that was that. I was lumped into the car and hastily driven to the closet. Uh, sorry, the closest sports shop by my dad, and my first Chelsea uh, shirt was bought. The drive home consisted of my dad apologising for not sorting this out sooner. Two years later was one of the greatest moments of my life, flying to London to see my family with just my dad. This was kind of peculiar, considering all of the family I have in London is on my mother's side, but a free holiday with my dad as an 11-year-old boy was nothing short of an adventure. On the flight, face pressed to the window, looking at the clouds, my dad dropped the bomb. The real reason for uh, our adventure was to see Chelsea play Leicester at Stamford Bridge. What the fuck? It was 1999 and the West Stand was still basically a building site with a very annoying pole in the middle of the stand, right on the halfway line, blocking some of the most important play. But what a buzz. The crowd, the singing, the chants, the police on horseback, Zola chipping the keeper, pure magic. The referee giving us nothing, the oggies and the equaliser, that fucking equaliser, the teary look of pride on my dad's face when I started the referee as a wanker chant, wonderful, that was it, I was in, that's when the blood turned blue, I've never looked back, since then, the highs and lows, Champions League finals with slips and tears on the curb outside of the United Field local pub, thumping headers, extra time and that beautiful right post, The trophies, the wins, the losses and all of the legends, heroes, the lot of them. This club has been with me through the worst and best times. With eight years in New Zealand and the poxy time differences, regular live viewing is an almost non-event. But the Chelsea fancast has made, made me feel connected to the club. All of you are fantastic and what you do has kept the blue flag flying all over the world. I owe you all a pint. Thank you. Before I go, I'll just tell you how I rang in last season's FA Cup final. I stayed awake till early hours and ran a stream. I rang home to chat to both my dad and brother and watch the game together. But wait, my stream stalled. Dad, Connor, what's happening? We just had a chance, they exclaimed. Shit, I'm missing it. I know, said Dad to the rescue. I'll FaceTime you, Kieran. Wait a minute. The FaceTime was on. They made a perch for the phone on the couch, sat between my dad and my brother. The phone facing the TV. Excellent. That was till my mam walked into the living room exclaiming that dinner was nearly ready, right in front of the TV. 
Get out of the way, Mar, I shouted, naturally. Who's that, she said, comically looking around and up and down and almost inside out at the same time. Eventually, the situation was explained and she got out of the way, bless her. But anyway, team, I just wanted to say thanks for everything and I hope you keep the blue flag flying high. Go on, you boys in blue. Kieran. Um, I, when I when I say, Jonathan, that every single a- email could have been email of the week this week, I mean, uh, Ben's email, I thought kind of nailed what we've been saying actually you know you me and Liam all night on the show which is very articulate but Kieran's just had me in stitches reading that oh the brilliance the br- I love that watching watching the game via FaceTime so it's on it's on in the background when you're watching it from somewhere else completely it's just I mean that is just superb um, but, the things people do oh, to, to watch God. a game Liam it's, it's incredible but isn't it the joy the joy of uh, of yeah of of, re- of hearing that, well done, great mail, bloody hell, brilliant. Hello. Yeah, go on. Shall I do number three? Yep. This is from. That's why it's got J.K. before it. Yeah, isn't... I know, but I was waiting for an appropriate moment. Thought okay, you, okay. Thought you were going okay. chip in. Thought you were going chip no, in. No, 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 no. This is Off from Kenroy Justin. Chiju, kidu. Hi, Alex and the gang. Dudes, I listen every week, but you haven't heard from me in a while. But how I could miss such a glorious opportunity to take part in this fantastic gift from the football gods. It's not every season European football throws you such an absolute delight. I'm speaking, of course, about the Spurs loss in the Champions League. And then he's got a little um, a little uh, tweet from Danny Welbeck, which I haven't seen, which is, Tell a man a joke, he can laugh for a minute. Show a man Tottenham Hotspur, he can laugh for a lifetime. Is that the real Danny Welbeck, do you think, Chidge? I'm not convinced. I've no idea. I've no idea. I don't think it is. But anyway, I've waited up and the Europa League win is almost, almost as good as seeing Spurs lose. Johnny Kidd didn't know what he was talking about on Love Sport when he said hypothetically he'd prefer to see Tottenham win it. Win if it meant us winning the Europa League as well. Dude, take a minute and imagine having to live with them, having won the Champions League. See? There. An absolute nightmare. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. But I was just trying to be as positive as I could in a desperately dire situation. I think you need to forgive me there. Um, Nonetheless, the utter audacity of Spurs to even make the final and try and win the Champions League as well. It all made my skin crawl. I would have had to quit football and sport altogether if they won. Maybe move to the Amazon rainforest and live with some of those people that Chidge is always talking about. I have a strange... Sus- some of my best friends there. Apparently they are, yeah. I have a strange suspicion they only tried to win the tournament to stick it to, to CFC, or it could be my paranoia. Thankfully, we're the only team in London with a European Cup. We're the only team in London with another European Cup. We're the only team in London with a European Cup. Anyways, well done, you Blues. Five trophies in the last five and 16 trophies in the last 16. The winning mentality has undoubtedly been ingrained in the identity of the club now, and it sets standards high to live up to. This history of success, more than anything, is what's going to keep us striving to keep going, like Man United did for so long. Hence, it's good to see that even after coming 10th, we're not far off from winning the league. And even after two difficult seasons in many respects, we still finish the last two seasons with silverware. Great season all round, both on the field and on the pod. Keep the Blues pod flying high, comrades. Now, Chich, on to the Cricket World Cup. Kenroy, Justin, whee! Yeah, good old Kenroy from St Lucia, uh, one of my favourite, favourite places in the world. Uh, I'm just thinking, Liam, actually, you know, uh, we should have had that as a, as a high point, Spurs uh, losing 
the Champions League if if it hadn't been for the fact that Liverpool won it. Yeah, it was a difficult one for Chelsea fans, wasn't it? Um, it was. Although all the all those that I spoke to eventually all settled on Liverpool through gritted teeth, just because yeah. it was easier to see them go from five to six than Spurs from zero to one. It seemed to be the Indeed. consensus. Indeed, and I, this is interestingly uh, validated by the fact that I saw my boss today, uh, who's a lovely lady, massive Arsenal fan, bless her, and uh, I, I, you know, I like her a lot, so I was very diplomatic and didn't, didn't, you know, rub it in. And the first thing she said was, "Don't say anything, but thank God Spurs lost." So, she, you know, so we kind of, you know, called it quits on that happy note. So there you go. Right, uh, last email. Not just of, this is the email of the week, but this is the last email of the season and it's as always a cracker Vinod is a very lucky man he was in here earlier on in Mixler but he's, he had to disappear uh, I'm afraid rather early but uh, he got this under the wire literally uh, I was about to send the email to Jonathan and Liam when it came in and I shoved it in the script because that's the way I roll and he says dear Chidge Vinod Iyer this is dear Chidge JK and the gang first of all thank you very much for the great work with the podcast I would also like to extend my thanks to Tony Clayton Joe, Marco, Dean, Alex, and anyone else involved. That would be Liam Vinod and uh, occasionally Ollie, actually, although we haven't had Ollie on the show for ages, but we've had Liam on uh, very regularly, I'm glad to say. He says, thank you all. It's been an unusual season. I'll get straight into the bit that is hard to discuss, the Great Divide. I've been to Stamford Bridge only once. I went there alone. It was the Friday night fixture against Liverpool in 2016 that we lost 2-1. Um... While there are kind of more than 35,000 Chelsea fans watching the match, fans tend to assemble in smaller groups. Unless you're in a stand behind either goal, it feels a bit distant. I was in the West Upper where the fans around me were relatively tepid. The only time anyone made noise was to either boo the opposition or to swear at one of our players. Even chanting during Liquidator seemed half-hearted. Fans seemed to watch the game as if they were watching it on TV. It did not take much for people to pull out their mobile phone to check for messages. This... At a home fixture against Liverpool. That's disgraceful. Um, now, and I think there are reasons for that, to be honest, Vinod. I mean, the West Upper, it, you know, d- does tend to be populated by more kind of, you know, casual supporters, really, rather than, you know, if you've got a season ticket, you don't sit in the West Upper, for example. Um, anyway, this season, when I saw all the divisions rear their respective ugly heads, Sarri versus anti-Sarri, racism, overseas fans versus locals, ETC. I thought of my own experience. The reason behind the divide, in my opinion, is disengagement with the game and, to a lesser extent, the club. The reason might be that some find the football dull or there are other things they'd rather be doing at the same time. But if one has spent the better part of the day going to and watching a football match and does not get the payoff he was hoping for, he's bound to be frustrated. As the saying goes, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. The issues are manifestations of underlying frustration and ennui. Good word. Uh, It's different for... So that and vituperative are probably my favourite words from tonight. Anyway, it's different for overseas fans as the chance to watch the boys in blue is payoff in itself. Uh, We don't care if they do a warm-up routine for 90 minutes. I've seen us play five times. We lost three and the other two were dull victories against meek opposition. I'd do it all over again. To the overseas fans who are listening in, in case you plan a trip to watch Chelsea, make sure you go to an away fixture. That's an experience you must not miss. To the sceptical local fans, it's still your Chelsea. Embrace the change and you will be pleasantly surprised to see how attached overseas fans can be to the club. 
In any case, we seem to have achieved our footballing targets. Hopefully, we can put the divisions behind us and get back to supporting the club. After all, we're all on the same side. As far as I'm concerned, I hope to see Lampard as the Chelsea manager. Not because he's patently the best man for the job. Uh, If there is anything to learn from the recent history, it's that the best person on paper need not be the best person on the pitch. So, we might as well give the job to someone who who we know loves the club gets the fans and understands what it takes. I'm considering going to the Super Cup uh, final at, at Istanbul, which is on the 14th of August against Liverpool, of course. I can't go because I'm going to be at Lords that day for the first day of the Lords Ashes test. But there you go. Uh, if I can manage to get a ticket, I'll be, I'll be there, he says. Anyway, I presume it will be difficult. Let's see. One thing is for sure. I cannot wait for the next season. A new beginning, if you like. Onwards and upwards. Thank you all once again. Enjoy your summer. Best, uh, up the Chelsea, best regards, Vinod. Uh, as always, Jonathan, Vinod comes out with some very, very wise words, doesn't he? He's a very uh, wise man, Chidge. He's a very, very wise man. I'm always impressed by Vinod. Should get Vinod. Uh, should get get Vinod on. We should we should interview him somewhere when he comes in. Yeah. We have a- well, maybe this is this kind of you know get do a few Q and A phone in shows. You know, I'd be yeah. up for because I like I like it when they do it on the Love Sports Show. We can do it on this on you know on this platform, not in this show, but we could do an extra one. I'm up for that. I think we should attempt you know? to do it and try and get people from all around the world putting yeah. forward their views because uh, some really really pertinent stuff that they come up with. It's um, it's superb. I would slightly disagree with you. I think. I think when somebody coming over should try and do both. You should try and do a, um, a home fixture if possible, not in the the West Upper, um, and not definitely not, not in the East Middle. Let me tell you that. Um, and uh, uh, um, preferably in either if you can in the shed or in the Matthew Harding and an away fixture. Just try and do them both if you can. Then you'll just see the the two extremes, or you'll see that not even extremes. You'll You'll, you'll, you'll feel the uh, the chanting love more in either of those positions at home because the the other parts of the stand are very much for um, the the non singer the non the non involved and uh, uh, and that's why I think there are these attempts to make there've been these mooted singing areas which I think I've never really approved of but the fact they've come up is because people want to make the atmosphere better in certain parts of the ground when if you need to to go and sit in that ground where there's more action then you'll appreciate what's going on. But I, I think you need to do both to get an idea of what the club's all about. I agree away is a completely different kettle of fish because there are lots of people are there who don't have tickets at the bridge. And also there are a very condensed number of, of uh, fans all trying to get behind the team. So you're going to get an experience that you would never have at home unless you go to a... Um, uh, one of the top games when the atmosphere is great wherever you are in the ground. I just think yeah. it's some of the minor clubs, the minor fixtures. It'll never be quite as interesting. Uh, and if you're on a European night with um, uh, a really top team, it is joyous beyond belief the, to the extreme. It's some of the best times I've ever had at Chelsea have been great European fixtures against great clubs when we've played well. It has just been phenomenal. Yeah, he's, he's dead right there. A, a very shrewd assessment, J.K. Um, just on a final note, um, you know, I, and I'd like to bring Liam in really for this, but you know, I was whinnying on earlier on about the the toxicity and the division both inside the stadium and outside. I'm afraid, you know, this, what's happening inside the stadium has been happening for a long time, and I think that's very much down to the changing demographic, uh, the changing way that football uh, is watched these days. Um, but I, I do think a lot of this toxicity is false, um, and I do think a lot of it's fueled 
by by social media and the echo chamber that it is and the inherent uh, lack of understanding um, that one gets there. And, I, you know, I, I get that it's I mean, let's put, let me put it around another way. I said this a few weeks ago, you know. I, when I talk about toxicity in the stadium, I'm talking about the, the booing for Sarri and Jorginho, which is unusual for Chelsea. In my experience, usually we, we are really supportive of whoever's there unless they're Benitez, you know. I mean, but we get behind the players, you know. We, we don't normally do that. That's very kind of Arsenal Spurs behaviour, and we don't do that. That's quite new this year. Um, and I wonder if that's due to the changing demographic. Um, and I have to say that normally when I go to Stamford Bridge, I have just such a lovely... Uh, welcoming experience you know most of the people who are there are very welcoming you know because basically we all go there with the same assumption that we all want the same thing we all support Chelsea we don't care who you are where you come from what color you are what class you are what job you do what politics you have because you leave that at the door it's all about supporting Chelsea and if you're Chelsea you're all right by me and that's always been my experience of of the club in the pubs before uh, I go to the game and afterwards and also when I'm in the game so, you know, that's not the experience one gets on, on social media, which seems social media, which seems to be a cesspit for, uh, you know, point scoring and digging people out and abuse. And, and, and there's no sense there at all that we're all Chelsea at all. It's just horrible. And uh, I, I mentioned this in my low points this year. I think it really is awful. I mean, Liam, uh, I'm, I, I would imagine you're familiar with what I've just described, really, wouldn't you be? Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen um, I've seen it through the microcosm of Chelsea Twitter, but I've seen it, you know, just Twitter generally. Uh, fo- football isn't an island; it's it's part of the wider world. And I think the Twitter and social media more generally has changed our lives in lots of ways for for the better. But it's also introduced new problems that I don't think we've we've fully figured out how to deal with yet. And you, you've created a medium really where that the often rewards the most outlandish and out, outrageous uh, viewpoints. And so I think, pe- I think people are, I, you know, Charlie Brooker always described Twitter as a video game um, where, where you just, you collect followers like coins and it, and you're just trying to level up all the time. And basically everyone is just, no one is is necessarily who they really are on Twitter. You will create some sort of persona for yourself, um, for to to a greater or lesser degree. And I think what you have is is some people um, just trying to get attention and trying to do things to get attention. And some of those things are are, are good and entertaining and funny. And some of them can be slightly divisive and 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 well ab- abusive and insulting at times and i think that, that yeah. that's a problem that it's not it's not a chelsea problem it's not a, a, even no. a football problem it's it's a twitter problem and it's it's something we're we're all trying to deal with well i'd agree with that i mean two rules of thumb here you know one is that most of the people who who say these things on twitter wouldn't dare saying it to your face if you're in the pub and uh, of course when you are in the pub at chelsea that's why it's much more convivial because <laughs> You can have an argument with somebody, you can have a disagreement with somebody, but you can talk about it in more than 140 characters and have a pint. And I think that that helps. Uh, anyway, rant over. Uh, right, and in fact, email's over. Uh, Vinod, brilliant. And all of you, in fact, this week who've sent emails, absolutely top stuff. We absolutely love getting them from you, as you well know. Uh, and we'll always do our best to read them all out, even if we have to carry them over to the next week. So uh, when the season starts, in fact, I don't mind if you want to send them in now, I'll see if I can answer them you know in the traditional way by replying but uh because i don't tend to reply personally i just tend to read them out 
but if you've got something to what you want to get off your chest, send it in. I don't mind. Uh, anyway, send it to ChelseaFanCast at gmail.com and try to get it to us normally during the season at Monday morning by the absolute latest. But uh, over the summer, ping one in and I'll see what I can do. Uh, right, I'm afraid that is all we've got time for this season. Uh, this is the last live Monday night fancast of the season, but uh, as I said a minute ago, we'll be back before the start of the next season for more totally biased and uninformed opinions about Chelsea Football Club. Uh, clearly, I'm only speaking for myself there. I couldn't possibly tar Jonathan and Liam with that brush. Anyway, uh, over the summer, as I said, we might uh, we might put one or two... Well, that's the other thing, Jonathan. You know, uh, this is a... This, we do this because we like to do it. So we can be completely, you know, nonsensical and uninformed and completely biased. If you're a journalist, you can't be. You have to... I, I never know what? what's going on on the pitch. I don't really know anything. I'm always com- <laughs> surprised when people take me seriously. I thought, oh, I don't well, know what I'm talking about here. So. You're, you're too busy drinking sherry and reading the Times, aren't you? Yeah. Inside, that's why, you know. But uh, anyway, I mean, you know, it, it, this is allowed to be biased and uninformed. It's a bloody podcast. It's not the BBC. I mean, sometimes we get, I get taken to task for st- stuff we've said on here, but we're just fans, that's all. Anyway, however, 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 we will try and, uh, you know, put a couple of classic shows up uh, while we're on our summer holes to keep, uh, well, if, you know, for your enlightenment and entertainment, obviously. Uh, but in the meantime, don't forget, you can still tune in to the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 8 o'clock and 9 p.m. So it's a shorter show. It used to be 7 till 9, but over the summer it's 8 till 9 every Friday during the summer. Join me, Jonathan, Johnny Burrow, and the usual cast of the Chelsea Fancast, plus one or two special guests that I've got up my sleeve on Love Sport Radio as we keep you up to date with everything that's going on at Chelsea, uh, as long as it's totally biased and uninformed, of course. Uh, now, phone in, uh, and this is the great thing about the show. You can phone in, join in the show, debate with us live. The number to call, of course, is 0208 758. Uh, and now you can WhatsApp that number. Uh, so I learnt uh, yesterday. You can WhatsApp 0208 758. But of course, you need to leave your name so that we know who you are and we can read it out. Uh, and of course, Love Sport, uh, London radio station, broadcast on 558 AM and also all the digital channels, plus things like Radio Player, TuneIn and of course, lovesportradio.com. It goes up as a podcast, as all of our shows do, on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify and other podcast distributors. Now, you can follow us uh, uh, the Chelsea Fancast on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Liam at Liam underscore Toomey, and of course, uh, check out the ChelseaFanCast.com website. Uh, there's some great blogs that go up there regularly through the season and the week. Uh, and if you want to follow them, they're Alex Churchill at CFCGWLB, Nick Stroudley at Nick Stroudley, uh, Jonathan Ellis at Clitheroe Blue, and the wonderful Dean Mears, who made his debut with us on the show last week at Dean Mears. Right. Um, Talking of thank yous, um, you know, I'd just like to say um, it, it's been a long old slog this season. I won't lie. My my life has got a lot busier, uh, both within Chelsea's kind of football stuff and uh, the, all the radio work, but also my professional life. Uh, and I am a very, very tired boy. But I have to say, as ever, the fan cast, in my opinion, goes from strength to strength. Uh and the reason it goes from strength to strength is because of the quality of the people that I'm lucky enough to call great friends, but uh, who, who give their time freely to come on the show and give up two, two, you know, two and a half hours on a Monday night. Uh, and uh, I think we need to applaud the fantastic efforts this season of the lovely Mark Worrell, who was at Gate 17 Marco, uh, the lovely Dan, who is at Dan Silve 73, 
Clayton Beerman, the legend that is Clayton Beerman at goalie 59. The One of the most erudite people we know uh, in Chelsea, and that's at Joe Tweedy. Uh, one of the funniest and most outspoken people we know uh, at Chelsea and a fantastic mate of mine at Gross Jack UK. That'd be Tony Glover and uh, a, a nutcase and a genius in equal measure. Alex Churchill at CFC GWLB. And of course, uh, the wonderful uh, Ollie Harbord, who, uh, you know, does a lot of stuff for football.london and uh, is stupid enough to allow me to write for them as well. And he's at OJ Harbord. But, 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 but. Most of all, thank you to you lot who listen every week, particularly those of you who are live in Mixler. Um, it's so much fun seeing so many of you join us on a Monday night and interact with us. It really makes it so much fun doing it. Uh, but also, of course, everybody who downloads and listens to the podcast. I mean, we generally, gen- genuinely, genuinely, genuinely wouldn't do it uh, at all without your fantastic support. And we are eternally grateful. Are we not, Jonathan? Oh, yeah. Wow. Brilliant. Brilliant. The, the people who've... who've, who've kept with us all season on this topsy-turvy season have been great. And the uh, the list, Chich, of all the people that you just read out are all absolutely brilliant, everybody who's involved in the uh, in the podcast. They're all characters. They've all got things to say. They've all, but no, we haven't got all the same things to say. We've got different views of everything. That's what makes it work so well. It's, uh, it's a fabulous team, Chich, that you've got together here. With uh, and you get the odd star like Liam comes in and then tells oh. it like it is and uh, and we're all humbled and uh, slightly embarrassed by a lack of knowledge and uh, but no it's a very good setup Jude you've done wonderfully brilliant brilliant well, I've enjoyed it so much this season I enjoy every season but it's been great so I have it's been a cracker this season hasn't yeah. it but as, just to reiterate your point there and I, and I hate to embarrass him so publicly while he's on the other end of the line here but. You know, we really are blessed that people like Liam and Ollie, when the occasion that he's on here, and Joe Joe Tweedy, you know, give their time up to come on this show because they really do enrich it. Liam, personally, thank you so much for all of your time this season. You've been absolutely superb. Brilliant, this really brilliant, Liam. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I only, I only come on for the flattery. <laughs> well, you know, you deserve it, mate. So thank you again. And hopefully you and I will catch up for a beer over the summer when I'm around. Uh, it'd be nice to do that. Right. All right, you lot. we got to go. Uh, that's it for this season. Thank you so much. Summer well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 